0: Dame 40 here, just an extraordinary show on Kino Casino the other night. Two former assistants to Nick Fuentes essentially called out his movement as a gay incel death cult. And considering the trajectory of Richard Spencer's movement and many other dissident right movements of which I'm aware, it seems like every dissident right political movement that's not avowedly pro social ends up as some kind of incel death call. So what the heck do I mean by social? Someone who encourages you to preserve your relationships. So with many revolutionary movements, they encourage you to damage or break ties with wider society, with your family, with your friends, with everything that you once held sacred. So there's a famous quote in the Gospels in the New Testament where Jesus tells his followers, look, let the dead bury their dead and come follow me. And who is my brother and who is my sister, like who is my family? It's those who who come follow me. You become my new family. And this is the ethos of many revolutionary movements. But uh, as this applies to the distant right, it tends to lead to antisocial behavior. So people damage ties with their family. They can't stop talking about uh, issues such as race, politics, uh, religion, sex, that uh, damage their most important relationships. So unless you know the other person is interested in a conversation on race, on politics, on on sex, on religion, you gratuitously bringing up these highly charged topics is going to damage your most important relationships and any movement. Oh, even if it doesn't explicitly call for you to, to do this, but if the net effect of say an online movement is that you develop this virtual personality whereby your social skills get, Tuned down, so that you become less effective relating to your family, to your friends, to your employer, to your educational institution, to your church, synagogue, and wider society. Then you're in a downward spiral. So this is Jaden here talking with Mr. Medica and the folks PPP and Andy Worski.
1: I went down to Florida with a fellow friend, or with a with a fellow groiper friend, whatever. Um like a month after New York, I hadn't been talking to Nick I hadn't talked to him in like a month. Uh, Cause I was fucking fed up with him. He had got, just gone to Texas to do the Elijah Schaefer thing. I went down to Florida for a week with another buddy. And uh, when we were down there, we met up with Simon and uh, he told me about the interns quitting and himself and how he was like fucking done with Nick basically. And I was like, I had no idea that that was going on and we felt the same way. And when I got back from that trip, uh nick was going off because he had called simon when i was down there and like simon's like hey you know I, i've decided i want to quit and he's like oh you're fired fuck you um and i'm gonna ruin your life basically if you like do anything say anything and simon had told other interns you know like this guy's fucking nuts like you should get out of this and that's really the reason i came on this show to begin with that and the fact that he was doxing people close to me um because this guy it's not just like a haha funny he watches a gay show it's like this guy is a sick like person who wants to has he's no. Problem. problem and like destroying young How, light, how long did it take lives? you?
2: How long did it take you to kinda of come to that conclusion? I mean I know you had a relationship and you worked together and uh things probably didn't turn sour right sure. away, but like how long into the relationship did it start to become I mean just you know <laughs> no, friendship I, 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 did I, I, it start I, I, to become, you know, apparent like, you know yeah, shit, maybe this guy's yeah. not on the level like I think he is.
1: Yeah, um so I called Jake Lloyd about um just things that I was like questioning about it back in April of last year. But when I officially was like I'm done with this was December when I got back and talked to Nick for the first time in a month and he was going off and he was like, I'm reporting Simon or I'm going to sue Simon. I don't even know if I can win, but I'm going to sue him just because he's poor and I'm going to like rape him in legal fees. And this guy, like he'll tell you his, he is not well off financially. Nick didn't pay him anything. He has a wife and two kids. Like he's in a, not like the best scenario. And then when he also was uh, when assistant Groyper left, he's like, I'm reporting this guy to the fucking feds. And he, it's like, this is when I was like, okay. Wait, so did, did, he, did, he,
2: did he literally say, it we're
1: to the feds? 100% yes. He mm. wants, yeah, and what that's, what it, sh- that's what I'm saying. It's like, this guy and, doesn't and give Jane. a fuck about anyone and everyone's expendable. I mean, me, I'm his best friend in the whole wide world and I tried to do this all behind closed doors. I tried to, you know, and he pretends publicly. It's an olive branch. I'm offering you an olive branch. You know why you're sending the
0: Okay, so obviously we're just getting one side of the story here, but from what he is describing, this is explicitly antisocial and this is a, Downwardly spiraling cult from what he describes.
1: Olive branch? Because I left the side door unlocked for two hours while I went to pick some, yes. something up from the store. Wait. And uh, while I was moving all my shit out, I left the side door open for two hours. I have the text. He's like, You left my back door open? Fuck you. This it's oh I I can read it to you if you if you yeah really yeah to. Read like, it to you're us. blocked yeah, yeah I, I, okay let me pull it up let me pull it up yeah he also claimed uh, that yeah. you trashed the
3: place when you left
1: yeah well, which we'll by the way I took too. a video because uh my lawyer said to do that I took a video I can send it to oh, you want. okay I, I I
4: don't want to blow up Simon's spot but I think it's important to know Nick threatening him with that legal action sure yeah bring I him in if you said Simon's uh daughter has cancer.
1: Um, I believe it's his son. I again bring Simon. He has a link. He's uh, if you want, he's willing to but come. Yeah, just, yeah, and...
4: yeah, give him the link because like the shit with Simon just blew me away. Because Nick's mother has cancer, and he's very glib with jokes about cancer with Medicare and this and that. And then he's gonna try and sue and bury a loyal member of his organization. Well, it's it, wait, 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 wait,
2: uh, Ashton. It's way different. I'm like, I, I'm fine getting shit about it, but like, if you've got a kid, right, that's that's sick or got something like that, and you're gonna use Lawfare to try to fuck with somebody, that's really sick shit.
4: It's fucking distaste. Like, it's disgusting. It's dark. It's, disgust. it's, it's disgusting. It's fucked. All right. You know? Here we go. I didn't know
2: about any of this. This is all but that's, no shit Well, well but
4: we're a moral fagging, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. The, the Catholic leader.
3: Simon. Hey, Simon. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yo, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, it's good to be here. Excellent. Uh, uh, can you lower your mic just a smidge?
0: So, this is uh, Simon, who used to be an, an intern for uh, Richard Spencer. He spoke out against Richard Spencer in 2017 on the Weekly Sweat. And here's a segment where they talk about Nick, not just uh, imagining himself as the second coming of Joseph Stalin, but uh, also imagining himself as the next Hitler. The
5: Catboy
6: Cami thing is far less egregious than stuff he says on the show Daily Now, you know. Yes, yeah. being real. Yes. You know? Well,
2: yeah. wasn't Wasn't Capboy Cami? Didn't he get disavowed for giving like a you know tongue in cheek Hitler speech? But then <laughs> Nick goes on stream and says he wants to be Hitler two, three, four. <laughs>
4: Right, and
6: he
2: compares Putin to Hitler at his premier
6: political conference. And this is what I I do want to, if you guys are comfortable, kind of get into the political side of things, because a lot of people follow this guy because they think he's going to be a political force, like you mentioned, Jim. Um, You know, at the the premier, the, the headline political conference of the movement, He's up there in his in his keynote speech talking about oh well they compare Putin to Hitler and like that's a bad thing and you know he's laughing and the 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 crowd is is cheering it's like oh I shouldn't have said that I mean to me that it kind of comes off as the same thing maybe not exactly the same as like the Hail Trump Hail Our People Hail Victory like the uh, the Spencer moment from 16 it's like what are you really trying to do here if the goal is to build a political movement, who is the political voter base? You know, the vast majority of right-wing uh, voters are older people, you know, uh, boomers. I know it's such a horrible thing, a lot of Gen Xers, millennials. I don't think Zoomers are, are voting nearly as much, and the Zoomers that do vote are far more on the left. So if you're trying to appeal to Republican voter base, the people who elected Trump, I first of all, I don't think it's a good idea to, um, you know, praise Putin as like the, the you know, uh, as like the savior of America, you know, he's a Russian politician, you know, whether you like Putin or not, I, I do like a lot of his policies. That's, that's just not something you do politically. That's not the point. Tucker Carlson's a great political leader, and he doesn't even do that but then to take it a step further and say, not only is Putin good, they compare Putin to Hitler. And that's like, that's a bad thing. Like you don't want to be compared to Hitler because you do want to be compared to Hitler. And it's like anyone with a brain. You go through
1: any like mainstream conservative talking point as well. And he's like the total opposite side and tries to justify. And maybe like, we know maybe it's right, but also it's like, are we trying to win here and like get normal people involved or, and I know you've touched on that a lot PPP in the last few months, like, the, the free speech thing, obviously, with the Medicare debate, which he was really upset that I didn't say that he won. Um, and like, I know he's, he's anti-gun in some... Yes, like he's, I've heard thing. him say he's yeah. anti-gun. It's very you know, like... The, go ahead, You know, go this go week
4: he justified the Louis Theroux documentary. He said it was a good thing because it made him look like Hitler.
1: Nobody even knew that that was <laughs> happening, by the way. I heard about that the first time on the way to AFPAC, and I'm like, eh, probably not the best.
0: I don't think the Louis Theroux documentary was a disaster for Nick. I mean, certainly comported himself much better than than Beardson did, but didn't do him many favors either. So when when a journalist comes to do a story on you, it's not your story, it's their story. They're going to tell the story that they want to tell, and they may be really nice, and they may be really attentive, and they may keep saying, look, I just want to understand. But in the file analysis, they're going to do their story, they're going to edit it the way that they want, And so many personalities, many people become convinced of their own powers of persuasion, that they're going to transform the journalist and they're going to get to tell their story. No, the journalist tells the story that they want to tell. So many people have delusions of how much power and influence they have over the journalist and over the story.
1: This idea to have the BBC, like filming people um <laughs> but uh he's like but think of all the exposure um, and simon can say the same thing he no one knew it, it about sounds that. so attention whorey too like when you guys it are it talking is. about
2: stuff he does it's it's exposure numbers views yeah, uh, uh networking mm-hmm. uh, but i'm confused Is why is this guy who i remember uh, who would like shit on the idea of wignats right mm-hmm.
0: now want to be them
2: yeah like it's it's all oh, you know fuck these guys and you know the, the white ethno state stuff and uh, the mm-hmm. hitler stuff that's cringe that's cringe uh, but now I he's
0: Yeah, it's interesting that Nick Fuentes seems to be taking more and more of his cues from Andrew Anglin of Daily Storm of fame.
2: Like, I want to be Adolf.
1: (laughs) I don't get it. It's a weird thing. Maybe it has something to do with... This is just total speculation. I don't know, that the GOP, Charlie Kirk, kind of adopted some of the old talking points, so maybe he's just trying to be a contrarian, pushing... the
0: Right, a little bit like Richard Spencer, who wanted to distinguish himself from Steve Bannon and the Breitbart crowd. So, until... Trump's election, alternative right meant literally that, an alternative right. So that included the Breitbart universe. But then Richard Spencer wanted to distinguish his version of the alternative right by explicitly comparing it to Nazism. And so yeah, then Richard got control of the term alternative right. But 95% of people who were associated with the term alternative right then wanted nothing to do with it. And that's a little bit like what uh Nick Fuentes has been doing it sounds like
1: right well that's mm. was awesome because he's right. like, having sex with his cousin like that's indefensible but he tries to justify it and right. that's like his political ideology at this point I have no idea but because Kirk embraced a lot of his position
0: and uh but he says Luke how often do you stream now well I stream as often as I want to so that may mean I go a week without streaming 10 days without streaming it may mean I just make 10 minute uh live streams a couple of times a week or it may mean I do Two three hour streams, three or four times a week. So I fit my live streaming around my life. I don't fit my life around my live streaming. So I only stream when there's something that I want to say, and uh, I just wait for the for the energy and the enthusiasm to hit me.
4: Sure. So now he can't distinguish himself from Charlie, other than just going full wig not. I'm Hitler. Like put women white Sharia. Put women in chains. Slavery. Right, right. Like
0: well, why would he have owned that either? That's Uh, Glyn Medley says, none of this matters, but it gives Luke an opportunity to share his insights on social psychology. Well, this is the sphere, generally speaking, that we've been talking a lot about for the past uh, five years, six years. So a lot of people have invested their lives in this movement. So the well-being of thousands of people is affected by what's going on, in particular with Nick Fuentes and America First, and with the distant right generally. And so I think there are lessons to be learned from what appears to be a Nick Quentin's meltdown that apply in broader society. So a leader, a live streamer, a political speaker, they're they're a leader only so long as they're giving value to their audience. And so you can give value to your audience in two primary ways. One, you can tell your audience what it wants to hear. Or two, you can try to persuade people or, or lead people in in a better direction and challenge your audience. So obviously, the first one's a lot easier than the second. But those are two different ways of providing value. But once you no longer provide value, then you're no longer a leader. And it's not really about you. So Nick Fuentes had a following as long as he was fun, and he was taking people where they wanted to go. And dispenser had a following so long as he was embodying a, an ethos that people enjoyed. But very little of this is actual attachment or, or devotion to uh, Nick Fuentes or uh, Richard Spencer, right? People value people in terms of what other people can do for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm
2: confused about why wouldn't you have said, hey, look, I was so convincing. And what we were saying for two or three years, Charlie Kirk now is on our side. He agrees with the shit we say.
7: He well, should. Well, that, that's
2: exactly the thing. I
6: mean, if you were a serious political actor who, you know, you're taking hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of donations from donors. To-
0: and Half Galician says high-pitched voice in fat guys, not how you start a movement. Well, PPP is very good at what he does. He is pretty sharp in his analysis that I've seen. So I've probably listened to about 12 hours of his perspectives over the past few weeks. He's very good. So you may not enjoy his aesthetic, you may not enjoy the pitch of his voice. And I don't think he's pretending to be any kind of movement leader. But he's very good at live streaming. And he's very good at providing a reality check people who are trying to be movement leaders Luke doesn't see why such a debate would be instructive or healing it. Has Adam Green, E Michael Jane, E Michael Jones, I haven't haven't seen that yet. And chat says Ken Brown put out a couple of good videos on this. Yeah, PPP is surprisingly compelling. He's compelling. He's doing a great job as a host of a live stream And his perspectives seem thoroughly based in reality. So that's just the PPP that I'm reacting to. Who knows how many stupid idiotic things he's done in the past. But as far as what he's doing right now, this is his wheelhouse. He's obviously very good at what he's doing.
6: The foundation you're taking hundreds of thousands of dollars of donations from super chats you know people who want to see political goals achieved you would think right why would it be when we do get the political goals at least somewhat achieved you know you have mainstream political figures saying there's a war on white people and, and talking about you know that feminism uh was bad i mean i mean they've been saying that for a long time but they're going back to you know oh yeah first wave feminism there were issues you know we should do these things with the family you know white people are under attack etc cetera, etc cetera. that would be a huge political victory you know that tucker carlson's going on they're talking about white genocide you know that the t- charlie kirk talking about the war on white people this is you know what we were dreaming of Back in 2017 but and a here's, year ago. The here's the thing oh, sorry jaden but i'm um, oh, gonna say this really quickly no political goal is is good in the eyes of nick if it's separate from him if charlie kirk doesn't come out there and say well nick fuentes convinced me there's a war on white people mm. then it's bullshit then it's like oh no
0: right so what happens when you gain a little bit of applause is that you like it right but how much do you like it all right a little bit of applause for, for healthy people, that's just pleasant and it just passes through you and, and you move on. But for me, for for much of my life, applause was something I wanted so desperately that it was absolutely intoxicating and I went hunting for more of it. So when, when a little bit of applause meets a, a desperate recipient, then you have an intoxicated response to a stimulus. Most people can drink alcohol and still make good choices and they don't become alcoholics. But for a for a minor, minority of people, they drink some alcohol and then suddenly all their problems disappear. Their shyness disappears, their inability to dance disappears, their lack of self-confidence disappears. And so applause, alcohol, pornography, gambling, dating, spending, whatever the the compulsion is, if it meets some kind of need in you so that it intoxicates you, then that leads you to making bad decisions. So from what they're describing And I don't know the the full story here. I don't know Nick Fuentes' position. And for years I've said I don't really care what a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old says about politics. So I see Nick as primarily a live streamer entertainer who has mounted some, some interesting and entertaining political confrontation moments. I think he's very skilled at what he does, but I would never turn to a 21 year old not just nick fuentes but any 21 year old or 20 year old for wisdom with regard to political science but what these guys are describing is an intoxication effect that comes from getting applause and getting an audience which is fairly common among people who spend a lot of time on the internet right why do we spend so much time on the internet generally speaking it's because life on the internet is more compelling more exciting more pleasing to us than life offline and often That that is a reflection of a life that's not working very well in real life. So people become increasingly intoxicated by the virtual personality that they develop online, which then feeds back into their real-life personality to their detriment.
6: Oh, yeah that's no good you know charlie kirk may say these things but he's secretly not on our side secretly he just wants to you know yada yada, yada. like he said on the elijah schaefer show i mean elijah i think you know felt it i mean you know the borrowed term for you guys pretty pretty well when he asked okay well if you're saying that charlie's taken up a lot of your positions why are you so hostile to charlie and all these other people in the conservative movement and you know for the first time i think in that interview nick started to stutter and go oh, 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 well you know here's the thing uh can't inc and just ramble on and because there's no good answer to it it's just an ego thing
4: no, yeah. it is an ego but, thing. And it's, it's that with everybody. With right, fucking right. Jake, with Jake Lloyd, with Patrick
1: Casey, it's with everybody. Nothing, by the way. everyone's. Like-
0: and Half uh, Galician says, Luke likes to pathologize the human condition. I like to pathologize those aspects of the human condition that are sick. I mentioned most people can drink alcohol with no ill effect. Most people can receive applause without becoming intoxicated. Right? Most people can use a credit card without it destroying their life. Most people can gamble without gambling destroying their life. So I'm explicitly not pathologizing the human condition. I'm pointing out that a minority of the human condition has a pathology with regard to certain stimuli. half says, Psychobabble with no basis in science, yet he babbles in its orthodoxy as though it were wholly writ. Well, either either these insights are useful or they're not. So they certainly resonate with people that I've met walking down the street. They certainly resonate with people that I hear from via email. Now, I'm I'm offering you verbal metaphors for reality. And sometimes these metaphors are going to be apt, and sometimes they may apply to you, and sometimes they won't
1: it's like you put out that statement and you started all this like i was talking <laughs> to some streamers on cozy and they're like just so you started this it's like mm-hmm. oh that would have been made public and he would be like J- i fired jaden which again not even true but it's it, that's what it always is that's but what it's he,
0: all- so it, it's either true that people develop a new personality online or it's not true i think it is frequently true that people develop a new personality online compared to their offline personality. Mm-hmm. Online, because it's more exciting and compelling to them than their life offline i think that's indisputably true number three do the things that we say and do online back into our real world yes i think that's obviously true so i don't think any of these points are psychobabble i think they're common sense
3: Fired you from what you weren't well, wait even a be paid he, does <laughs> well, he even that's have the, the authority
4: tool. to fire you because is he on the foundation paperwork is like
3: I mean, he's president, the president. So he is the president. Yeah. Okay, okay. But, I wasn't um... sure
4: if he actually put his own name on the foundation paperwork, or if you know, it was just you guys were totally the fall guys for it. No,
0: no, he put. He... So there's an interesting point coming up here, I think, from Simon, where he talks about Nick Fuentes using using Christianity as, as a honey trap. I I never thought of it in that explicit language, but I think it's it's a pretty good point
1: if this is a serious political thing i mean you could even question me in some ways like the gaming stream grant i did other things and i was political um like at one point and behind the scenes whatever but like him and beardson and ralph and like a lot of these people it's kind of, it's like in the new people even like now we have the minecraft vtuber it's like is this a serious political Wait, thing what is it minecraft that's ux ux, oh, that's minecraft UX? okay but okay. it's it's like you know baked you know, I, I, I've I been friends with him for years, but it is questionable as to what's like, what are the goals of this thing?
0: And, and Half uh, Galician says the real world versus the online distinction is becoming more and more useless. Well, is it that useless? If you have an employer, try speaking at work as you do in the chat and you will see that the online versus real world distinction is pretty useful. Right for, for everyone in the chat who's actively participating in the chat and has an employer, would you say the same things that you're saying in the chat to your employer? No, obviously you wouldn't. Right, Most people in the chat are anonymous and they feel a greater freedom to speak out than they would in the real world. So to me, it's common sense that there's a distinction between the online world and non-virtual reality.
1: And is this a politically effective connection to have and
2: listen the way you reach kids is by having catholic minecraft sessions where you build crosses
0: <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I- and uh pigger says they gab like women yeah well live streamers like nick fuentes is incredibly gifted uh ppp incredibly gifted andy Worski incredibly gifted so uh, my traditional conception of masculinity is a little more restrained right just uh, off the cuff you know about a hundred different topics Uh, I believe that
1: at one one point I believe that like the gaming streams could reach and I still do to a certain extent like the not like not necessarily that I agree with
2: that I I think he used your guys religion as a a crutch as a prop no
1: no I agree with that I agree and and I think he
2: drew in a lot of you guys who were acting
0: and uh, Bernard says it's interesting that Simon used to be so close to Richard Spencer and then Nick Fuentes yeah it it does seem very much like Nick Fuentes is going on a similar trajectory to Richard Spencer. And it seems from what these guys are presenting that Nick Fuentes is doing many of the things that Richard Spencer did in his downfall.
2: Actually, pious or devout, or maybe just, you know, semi religious or whatever. Um, and that was like, that was the honey, right? For the honey trap. It's like, oh, hey, come yeah. be a part of the organization, you know, sure. or Christian uh, nationalism, whatever. And then you hang out with him, and he doesn't want to do prayer circles. He laughs about it. He doesn't go to church. He's mocking religion, mocking people dying, wanting to hurt people's kids, has blackmail, talking about going to the feds, lies about his money. Uh, t- treats you, Jaden, like a fucking house sitter, and then throws your ass in the street after paying you a nickel. Sure. Like, uh, what? What about this guy? There's nothing good. I haven't heard one good fucking thing.
1: I mean, yeah, he's he's charismatic and he brings people in because of that. But like, no, eventually you can see through the bullshit. Hopefully, ideal. Like, if you're a free, th- if you're a real human being, you can see through the bullshit.
4: The problem of- with this is that he preys upon children, people who yeah. are well, underage yeah, or don't know better. People. I was. 19. I don't. I don't really think there's anyone over the age of 25 who's fooled at this point which is why he's doubling down on, like, young incel men, the most vulnerable people, to providing them this black pill.
0: And Half uh, Galician says the difference is that Richard Spencer has a trust fund with a lot of money in it, while Nick Fuentes does not. I'm not sure. Richard Spencer does not seem to behave as someone with a, a ton of money. I mean, he's 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 made raising money a fairly high priority. He, he didn't have the, the money to hire a lawyer, so... So Richard seems to come from money, but he does not does not evidence someone who's got a lot of money at his disposal over the past few years.
4: Bullshit doomsday <clears throat> cult worldview.
0: So it, it, by ju- just, just judging by choices and behavior, it would seem to me over the past three years that uh, Nick Fuentes has had far more financial resources than Richard Spencer. That's what, well, no, that's, that's what yeah. cults do. I mean,
2: I, I know you guys have thrown that out there, but it really does take the boxes. What do you do? You find a vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. Um, that feels uh, isolated and uh, antagonistic towards the world. Um, You separate them from it. You make them dependent on you. And then you put the fear of God into them because you're now their God. So, hey, you know, I took you out of this bad situation. Look how fucked up the world is. And if you turn your back on me, I'm going to fucking bury you and nobody's coming to save you.
4: And and let's think about it because if when you join the Groypers, a lot of your family are going to turn on you. A lot of your friends are going to abandon you. So the only Mm -hmm. friends that you have, the only family that you have are the other Groypers. The group
1: chat. Isolation.
4: Who who Nick controls completely. So he has the ability, if you say something he doesn't like, to completely take away your entire social group, completely yep. ostracize you and break you. And, and he's that's- done this to other people. Didn't he do it to uh what was his name? The Groiper that got kicked out of AFPAC 3. What was his name? That was like uh, with Lord. Ralph. Oh, Not
3: Zoomer, Zoomer?
0: Well, he can only do this to people who cooperate in their own self-destruction. Right? People who are incredibly isolated are always going to be far more vulnerable. And so people who are isolated. And then they, they fall in with a cold. You know, how much is it the fault of the cult, And how much is it simply a consequence of this person being isolated? I think I was talking a week ago. For, for many people, their behavior is so antisocial and pathological that only courts will take them in, right? Normal people will have nothing to do with them. Healthy people have nothing to do with them because a healthy person, as soon as you treat them badly, a healthy person will just separate from you you're bad to a healthy person and they will move away from you and if you're sufficiently bad they will just cut ties and it won't be a struggle they won't be go oh you know what should i do about 40 you know he really burned me but i kind of like him what should i no if you do the dirty on a healthy person they just boom they just cut you off on the other hand if you're not healthy if if abuse is something that uh, you've received a lot of in your early years if if your most intense emotional experiences in your early years were abusive. Then re-experiencing abuse as an adult feels normal. That is how I understand my life experience. So I lived with a lot of different families in my early years because my mother was dying of cancer, and so my father had to send send the kids off to stay with different families. and And so, in some of those early years, you know, I got smacked around pretty good. And so. I would go on to a work life where I had a lot of abusive bosses, and that abuse felt normal to me. That abuse felt like I was at home. And when I was treated well, part of me felt like, oh, I don't deserve this. This is wrong. I was often uncomfortable with being treated well. And so the ways that my bosses would speak to me, and I'd relay that to healthy friends, they'd say, oh, I wouldn't put out with that for a minute. I would just walk out. But for me it was normal and being treated well was what made me uncomfortable and so i had to achieve a certain level of of recovery probably get into my 50s where i was able to spot more clearly what was abusive and just walk away from abuse and welcome when i was being treated respectfully and being treated well so i've usually had pretty good taste in friendships i, I don't don't ever recall feeling betrayed by by a friend but when it came to my work life for, for some reason, I would I would feel most comfortable with the abusive situations that I was in as a kid. So some people, they have internalized this, that abuse feels normal. And so some people, perhaps like a Simon, I don't know enough about Simon's story, but what he presents is he was in an abusive relationship with Richard Spencer, and then he was in an abusive relationship with Nick Fuentes. And I would suspect that the next person he chooses to lead that will also turn into an abusive relationship until Simon gets healthy. So I don't think this is primarily about Nick or or Richard, perhaps. This is primarily about the personality of those people like myself who have come out of childhood with with the sense that being abused is what is normal and being treated well is what is abnormal and uncomfortable.
4: What was his name? Fuck! It doesn't matter. But there's other Something examples. Of it. I mean, this week well, we watched Smiley got yes, dragged uh, up in, into a humiliation ritual for a tweet.
1: It was a, a struggle tweet. session. He liked the tweet for yeah. a one tweet,
2: a five-hour struggle <clears throat> session because the dude liked the tweet.
4: Yeah, and that that's was why like I some Scientology shit, wasn't it? It was oh, like.
2: And that, if anyone knows Smiley, it's like, every, people in AF would make fun of
6: Smiley because of how obsessed he was with Nick. Like, he was always like, oh, Nick, I want to be right close to you. I want to be, you know, this, you know, I want to be your best friend. I want to be, you know, like, I remember at White Boy Summer, he was like, oh, Simon, you know, bring me to the Nick house. You know, wherever Nick is, I want to go hang out with them. And I had to you know, tell him, like, oh, well, Nick doesn't really want to hang out with why. you I had to make up an excuse. And it's like, this guy, okay, so he's obsessed with Nick. He's loyal to Nick. He wants to, like, move away from what he's doing with his family or, or whatever to go, like, be a part of Nick's thing through Baked Alaska. And what does he do wrong?
0: And that's a little bit like me with Dennis Prager, like narcissists like myself. We we tend to idealize and devalue people. It's just an inherent trait of of narcissists. So there were many years where I put Dennis Prager and that crowd like on a pedestal, and I would just devalue people that I grew up with, people that were that were close to me. It it's a tendency in me. It's this histrionic, dramatic. You know oscillation uh, between between extremes so i've experienced that and i've lived out that and so sounds a little bit like this guy wanted to forsake everyone that he knew and go and follow nick fuentes so that's that's not primarily on nick fuentes that's primarily on that guy with a lot of work to do with, with a lot of uh, growth and you can sometimes get these corrective emotional experiences from your relationships so even though I was insecure and, and narcissistic and had a lot of self-destructive and antisocial tendencies over the course of my life, I would, I would sometimes fall into relationships with people, establish a friendship with an individual, with an individual and his family, and I would calm down. And my antisocial, attention-seeking, histrionic tendencies, my, my, my need to idealize and devalue people, that would just calm right down to the point where it would go away. So, a lot of unhealthy people can become functionally healthy when they connect with with someone somebody some group, some family that is healthy, and then you just feel your whole system calm down and and you move out move out of those self destructive tendencies but is that just borrowed functioning, or can that last? Usually, you have to internalize that, and it usually requires quite a bit of work but just think think back over your own life. There were times I would assume that you had such a strong connection with someone who was really good for you that you tended by default to make good choices. And then other times you got into friendships or relationships with people. And suddenly for the first time, you started feeling crazy. You started feeling jealous. You started having rages. You started yelling at someone. I only had one girlfriend that I yelled at, right? And for some reason... I didn't start out yelling at her, but she permitted it. And so I just kept escalating. So it would start with like a sarcastic comment and then it would go to a derogatory comment. And then I'd raise my voice. And because she didn't shut it down and because I didn't have the internal staff to shut it down, it escalated to where I was screaming at her while we were driving down the freeway, while she was driving down the freeway. And if she... Would have had the stuff to end it and say, hey, you're behaving like a jerk. Or if I, that would have done me a tremendous favor, not to mention her a tremendous favor. But we can definitely get into spirals, right? We can get into upward spirals. We can join a group or develop a friendship or, or a relationship or enter a profession or, or a school where things start to spiral up in our life and we have ever increasing levels of mastery. Or we get with people who make us feel crazy. So I only remember one girlfriend in my life who was just filled with contempt. Thought I was a weakling, and you know, thought I was just just a wimp and and pathetic, and only one. So I, I realized, luckily, I had enough sake, enough wisdom at, at that point to realize this this has nothing to do with me. This is you know my girlfriend working through her issues with men. Like she grew up with a father who, you know, was banging all these Amazon Shixas in, in the room next to her in those very thin walls in Manhattan. And so, like, she was dealing with her own trauma, and so she would just displace it onto every man that she was with.
6: He likes one tweet making fun of Nick. That's all it
3: takes. Well, you can, like, be obsessed also, with this guy for a year. I heard also, you know how we were uh, making that joke? We were watching the Yoba RV. A meme medicure and and I. Oh, no, first off, first that, off was that, 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 that wasn't a joke. Okay, listen,
2: this dude, uh, I don't know what kind of anatomical anomaly he's packing. <laughs> oh, Smiley, smiling, so smiling. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm telling you, bro. There's a, a reason he's always smiling. You know, what I mean? there's a reason. <laughs> he,
4: he needs to that. take that big dick
2: energy and just go do his own thing and become fucking <laughs> yeah. popular.
1: Smiley, you can do it, bro. We have. He faith can. And, and some he of his IRLs recently con- have yeah, been pretty fun. He's a good content creator. He's funny. He's actually funny and high energy too.
0: Yeah. When you have conflicts with somebody with power, as as I experienced when I had a conflict with Dennis Prager, people are almost always going to side with the person with more power or more prestige. And and this apparently has happened to a lot of people who have fallen out with Nick Fuentes. ...friend
6: back then, you know what I mean? It was, uh, you know, hiding. Uh, a lot of these people were now part of the, the Sussy Squad uh, intelligence crew. You know, we were all like- I think that's
0: a great name, Sussy Squad, meaning suspect. That's uh, a nice way of saying homosexual. Like, you know you know, this close
6: back in uh, 2019. And those people, they, and this is exactly what will happen to you as well. When I said that I didn't like what Nick was doing, they were in their group chats with Nick. They were saying all these things and they never once reached out to me. And were like, Hey, Simon, you know, I want to hear your side of the story. I want to know what's really yeah. going on. How many people reached out to you from, uh, well,
0: no one has ever reached out to me when I, I've been in conflict with someone with more power and prestige. So this is normal. You get in conflict with people who above you in social status and the people that you have in common with that person they are rarely going to reach out to you to get your side of things
6: Nick's circle who said they were your friends jaden and wanted to hear your side of the story
0: one
1: and i'm not well two technically but two. i'm obviously not going to say who that is but yeah i was actually kind of surprised with uh the people who did and the people who didn't because uh mm-hmm. it shows well, you us know, character
4: i actually have one of the members of the sussy squad black swan himself pictured mm. in front of a pride flag have you guys yeah. seen this picture do you want to just pull that up on screen, Andy? This is okay. Black Swan of the Sussy Squad Let me just... in front of a gay pride flag. This is Nick's right-hand hatchet man in the,
1: do, the Sussy man. Squad.
2: Yeah, do. ashton I think you're kind of right about the Scientology comparison because it sounds like you're declared like an SP once you're thrown out. Yeah, like you know, if if you if anybody that was associated with you can't ever talk to you again or they're SPs. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding like, me! Like, look Come at this guy! Like, look off. at this
4: guy, Jim! Like, look at him! <laughs> His stash. Like look at how fucking like feeble it is. Like he's trying to grow the pedestrian. Is that stash.
6: even real? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that looks I don't want to dox him. I don't know if that's him or not. I'll give him an out on that because you know I don't It's him.
4: It's him <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that's no, him. It's him. I'm game. saying it is black <laughs> squad. That is the sussy squad in action. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, man. Uh does he huff paint? What what am I? Looking at? <laughs>
0: is like aerosol- and uh Hop says, look, before I go, that last line about whenever you argue with someone with higher social status that uh, people virtually always side with the highest status person. This is your best inside of the month, interests over ideals, right? Another Ford grand slam, two big ones this month that I use. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess there is a time and a place to prioritize principles over your interests. But generally speaking, uh, people are evolutionarily adapted to put their interests ahead of their principles.
4: Saw cleaners or what, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, that's fucking amazing that <laughs> I really want to see the other members of this fucking saucy squad yeah. I really do oh,
1: well,
6: well, I'll just say I disavowberate right up any of their pictures even though they're doxing everyone we know it's just you know like, I don't oh, want the, uh, the argument to you know, no, go This
3: it's been public my for hands. a while it's been public for a
6: while I don't think we went into it enough two x multiplier on next viewership number i helped build america first live i was not the main developer the main developer again is a good is, is a good guy if there are any of these kiwi farms people listening um you know like there are good people working there there are um decent individuals talented individuals you guys have seen cozy that was essentially built by a very small handful of people uh and you know i do hope that they get the hell away from this thing after this however i know with certainty since day one and I saw the numbers we had the ability to display live viewers on the uh, on the show remember Nick was talking about on his show all throughout last year before they show the live uh numbers uh the watching counts before you know below Nick's video he would say oh oh well, you know we, we really haven't been able to implement that feature yet you know we, we have too many other things we're working on we're working on getting emojis in the chat or whatever um and the reason we didn't implement that live feature is because it would have told a very very bad story we started off at the beginning of 2021 with roughly 5,000 legitimate viewers on americafirst.live, going from Live averaging around 8,000 a night. We started at around 5,000 the first time Nick went live after January 6th. After that point, we were dropping into the 4,000s. We kind of went a little bit back up to 5,000 during AFPAC 2. And then it was just a slow decline to the point we were always in 3,000 or less by the time that Cozy was set to come out. So we, you know, they were faced with a choice. Do we admit that you know last five people saw us have legitimate viewership numbers, they were around 8,000, 7,000, et cetera. And and now they're at 3,000, which would be an admission that our movement has shrunken, that interest has dropped off in what we're doing. Or do we apply a 2x multiplier in the code to Nick's channel specifically? At the time when I was there, I didn't see them applying that multiplier to any of the other channels. I don't know if they do that now. It wouldn't be hard to do. But they decided to apply a 2x multiplier in Nick's viewership number. And again, that is...
0: So this helps explain why Nick can purportedly have uh, 5,000 people viewing and almost nobody super chatting. So maybe those uh, live viewing numbers that Nick boasts about are not real.
6: a multiplier that can be adjusted up or down. They could you know, make it 1.8, they can make it 2.5. And you know, when Nick says, at least when I was working there, when it would say 7,000 on the site, we could see the back panel and it would say 3,500. When it would say 5,000, it'd be
2: 2,500. So what was the justification for this? Was it that um, he wanted to present like, you know, uh, yeah. fake it till you make it? Or is this, yeah. the feeling I get um, mm-hmm. when it comes to Cozy TV and his whole political ambition, is I think that he knows that he's burnt too much capital and too many people with the politics stuff. And Mm -hmm. so he's looking for uh, something he can package as a, uh, you know, alternative media site, drive up, uh, you know, (laughs) interest. But uh, that was the only time
1: that he's ever ever done that. um, Oh, I want to ask you about
3: the multiplier (laughs) on Cozy, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a multiplier that anyone on the back end can add 2.5 times, which is crazy to me, right? Does Mm -hmm. he do that for any other streamer? Or does he say like, hey, if you, uh, you know, keep supporting me, I'll throw on an extra 1.5 or whatever. Like, how does that work? Well, I
6: was there. um, That was not the case at the time. So... But it, it very easily could be uh implemented. I mean there's it's literally like changing one variable. And I saw somebody in the chat said something like, Oh, well, if it's a two X multiplier, why aren't uh Nix numbers always even? It's like it's like you know, the people the developers aren't idiots. If they're doing something like that, it's gonna be like two point one oh, you know, blah 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 you know, random string of numbers so it doesn't um you know have like an even or it's always odd or whatever. Like there there are ways to do that in code if you guys weren't aware. But um I, I don't know if he's doing that. I, I did wanna say I was forgetting with the whole Milo and MTG thing, like not to you know, redirect the conversation to much okay. back there. But um, it's, it's funny because when it comes to like the, the political future of America first, you know, they had Paul Gosar. He he came out and said, what I guess me and Jane are saying right now that this guy can't shut his mouth, you know, which I think everyone who's watching the stream would agree with. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who they think they still have an in with because Milo is like working with her, working for her. But she said everywhere publicly, I don't like this guy. I don't want to support this guy. This is weird. This is a turn off to my voter base. And if you have like the exact number, or excuse me, the exactly the most right-wing candidates in America, you know, from Joe Kent to JD Vance to Paul Gosar to MTG, uh, I think Lauren Bobart or whatever is also attacking them. Like all you've pissed all these people off. There's no, there's literally no political future for you. I just want to, I was thinking about it. Um, when you brought up Milo, I don't think I made it. A-
0: so not everybody can handle success. So some people are far better off as dissidents. Some people are far better off kind of sniping at those who have success. And from the picture that these people are giving, it uh, doesn't appear like uh, Nick Fuentes, from what they say, can handle success. And and making a real world political difference is just not something he's capable of.
6: We were earlier, and I think this is something that needs to be repeated. There is no political future when you have no candidates. You appeal to an um, extremely small number of people to the point where you have to lie about the number of people who are actually watching your show uh, to not demoralize the people who are in your cult or whatever. Like, this is a political know. movement that's imploding, you know? Sorry, I
1: don't I don't know why he, he can't. I mean, I guess I do know because yeah. then the donos dry up from the back. Right. don't. Believe-
0: so being a great live streamer and being a genuine political leader are not identical skills. In fact, they're, they're probably in most cases quite contradictory skills because what makes you so compelling as a live streamer is your unpredictability, is your spontaneity, is just you know, developing things on the fly, uh, being entertaining. right? these are not qualities generally speaking that are powerful when it comes to being a political leader so nick uh, and and richard can be compelling personalities with live streaming he is like they're just terrible political leaders believe
1: that it's not a serious thing but like he's he hasn't he had an entertaining show he has an audience like just drop the bullshit he's, he's yeah. been going after me for seven days straight he's going to continue to go after me every day i mean is it's is this to our political goals to go after me? I, I, would Joseph Stalin consistently go after me? <laughs> I, it probably would have been dealt with it privately. Maybe I would have been killed. I don't know. But to constantly. Go-
0: yeah, it seems really weird that Nick uh, so often compares himself to Joseph Stalin, that, that Stalin is, is Nick's role model.
1: So like, oh, well, guess what? I'm going on Beards and Beardly stream and I'm going to fucking own this guy with a
0: bunch of. Right. So the skills that, that Stalin had don't really translate to America in, in 2021 they they translate to a Russia under revolution post 1917. So it, it just seems like a really weird and antisocial thing to continually say that you wanna be Joseph Stalin. Like what kind of person leading a right-wing movement it uh, keeps talking about how they want to be Joe Stalin
1: Some drama and rumors. I was just like, this isn't serious. This isn't serious. Get a fucking grip. People like, if yep. you love the drama, that's fine. That's great. Everyone watches the Kino casino for that reason. Let's go. But, <laughs> what, like, why do we have to LARP as a serious political movement? It's not, it's not, if you want that, go watch John Doyle or something, but this is yep. a fucking joke. Yeah.
2: Can you give me any insight into, cause didn't Torba and uh, Gab give like 20 grand uh, yes. to Nick uh, for one of yes. his dinners? Um, Do you think Torba, do you think he's regretting that right about now? Because I noticed once they thought they could get back on Twitter, they were all like, fuck Gab, it's boomers. And uh, they call me little Nicky over there. And he seemed like he was really excited to get back on Twitter the second right. he thought he could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
6: I remember uh, Nick ran a, a chat that I was in. It was something like the Gab Heads, and Torbo was in there. And uh, like the minute, like, you know, Nick, like Torbo has done so much for Nick. I, I won't even go into some of it because I don't want to embarrass Torbo. Because I, I do think that he's probably a very good guy who's really been screwed over here. But let's just say Torbo's done a lot to help Nick with political stuff behind the scenes. And, you know Nick gets on Gab and literally is like, oh hey Torba, your your main audience like the boomers who are on your platform. Screw all boomers, boomers are horrible. Hey Ilhan Omar, like one of the most liberal uh, candidates or congresspeople in the entire country, uh, she's based because she said the Jews suck. And then it's like all these boomers are attacking Nick and he goes in this chat and he's like, oh yeah, Gab is we're having retard, Gab's a piece of shit platform. Yeah. Uh, you know, going on and on and on. And Torba was like, hey Nick, what are you doing here, man? Like what? Like I'm. I'm trying to help you, and I feel bad for Torba because now he had all these grippers start attacking him or whatever, and uh, and trying to kind of bully him, saying, you know what, you know what, I was wrong. You know, I think I understand Nick's points. Then Torba goes out of his way to help Nick again by sponsoring pack Three, donating money to his political foundation. And then the moment that you know Nick thinks he can escape the terrible platform of gap. it's again like, oh yeah, f this shitty platform. This platform sucks. It's all filled with cringe boomers, millennials, wig et etc. I mean, the story of Torba's relationship with Nick is just the story of anyone's relationship with Nick, uh, if you give it enough time, which is, you help him, you help him, you help him, you give him the benefit of the doubt, you attack him, or excuse me, he attacks you, you give him the benefit of the doubt, and as soon as you're not useful to him, it's like, oh yeah, well fuck you, I didn't need you anyways. So,
3: yeah.
0: How much did he give wild. for the- And the says, five men complaining about a virgin is not my idea of great content. <laughs>
3: uh, the, uh, uh, factory? 20K I think it was twenty k.
2: Because it wasn't a per table; it was like twenty k. You could reserve a, a VIP table, I and mean, I think he was, bought one of those packages. I think it was something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah Went to the donor dinner that Nick was two and a half hours late for, and everyone had
0: finished eating by the time. So just, no! like his, just like his yeah, regular really. streams, where yeah, he yeah, shows exactly. Up five hours like late.
1: People who are sending you know tens of thousands of dollars to. uh
0: Right. So when some people get success, they can't handle it, and they start thinking the ordinary rules don't apply to them, and you start treating other people casually, and you don't you don't show up on time, you don't make any effort to show up on time and you get out of touch with reality by forgetting that other people are just as real as you are and so you're only thinking about what you want, not what other people need.
1: Eat at this dinner, yeah, two and a half hours late. His his, his assistant, Hiding didn't even have the tables figured out. Like there were more people there than there were seats. It was a total disaster. What which, did they uh, again? Goes to show how you know this guy has it all figured out. So
2: what did they what did they eat there? Was it like uh, Uber Eats? Was that the specialty <laughs> dinner for your twenty? What
1: is meal? Yeah, McDonald's.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Well, Channing, I gotta ask because it goes to the professional. be Two and a half hours sure. late for this. He's late to his show constantly. I believe it was you who exposed him for the two-hour shower that he takes like every day. Like, what well, is his sleep schedule? I don't know about that. When when What is his and... sleep schedule like? And what is his showering habit
1: there I, I don't, the sh- only reason I know about that is because I was on vacation, or not vacation. We were on the white boy summer thing and every day that was a that was a thing because we couldn't leave, but yeah. Um, a two hours really though? Yeah, that's real. <laughs> what, is he, what is he doing in there for two hours? I don't know, I don't know. See, uh, is he I, licking himself clean like a cat? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Is he up a little flint his hair balls? <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> Two hours? What the, what the
4: fuck? I know. Does like, he I, like wake up? Because he says he like wakes up at like 6 in the evening most days. Yeah, that's real. Is that true? That's true, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's why I started the whole thing. He streamed during my time slot. What the fuck? It's like I started streaming like an hour. I started streaming around like 7 or 8 o'clock central. I used to go live after a show every night. Um, I started streaming before that because he was like going live at like midnight. And I'm like, I'm not streaming at 4 a.m. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. And uh, I didn't know that was a slight... I didn't know that was against the rules that my, like, 200 viewers was really... Uh, I guess any real viewers that he can get is, like, crucial. But, yeah, I didn't think my 200 viewers really mattered all that much, but he took it pretty... Uh,
2: Does he get jealous? Like, it. even if it's a small viewership that's even close to competing...
1: Quick, fucking
0: call the cops. Uh, Steve Saylor made the point that the more powerful the person, the more, the more alpha male the person, the more the, they tend to take everything personally. Oh, Jaden yeah, yeah. touched the girl's vagina. Oh, it's the end of
6: yeah, apparently it's not not just a death cult; it's like a homosexual death cult, um, which you know. I guess <laughs> no. with like the AIDS or whatever, it'll work itself out one way or another. <laughs> but I, I'm trying to not go below the belt, but trust me, it'd be very fucking easy to do that. I did want to before, if we do go in that direction, um, before we get into that, I did want to say about the political stuff. Um, Nick, it, you know, when we have the internship, I don't think we've really discussed because this has not been very publicly well known what the interns actually. Do.
0: When was the last time I took a bubble bath? I don't remember. Uh, I would I would assume 25 years ago. With a woman doing
6: we had a whole swaths of interns that were serious political actors who were creating like a political train that we had the idea that nick was going to be able to ride into some sort of like platform into some sort of campaigns or influencing candidates like there was a legitimate plan here but people talk about like uh you know some people will say that (laughs) that there was like no plan like and you know i don't know if nick necessarily had a plan but there were people around him who were planning on serious things and these people, and I watched them get, you know, we opened up an AF candidates, um, website. Anybody remembers that?
0: And- uh, glib Medley says, Mr. Medica is a snark merchant, nothing more. I think he's considerably more. Mr. Medica, overwhelmingly is a voice of reality and, and someone who can, can put reality into words and bring some, some needed context, uh, is, is providing a valuable service. There's. It's nothing more powerful than getting plugged into reality particularly when you're spending a lot of time online so medica is the reality machine
6: and we were flooded with applications we had people go for days and days and days again unpaid college-age kids go through all of these applications these you know the people on this uh, on the political team on the other intern teams the data teams whatever would go through and like you know look at okay in this district you know what's the d plus 17 okay they're not gonna be able to, to run there okay what are their other Republican candidates look like there was a like, legitimate. Um, political research that, you know, when I talked to, when we talked to some people who were actually from DC and from the political sphere, they took a look at what we were doing. It's like, okay, this is like what a million dollar operation in DC would look like, you know, if it was being run by college kids, but regardless, it was, you know, starting to approach that level somewhere along, like towards the middle of the year, though. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this or how closely you were following the whole thing about AF candidates kind of just fell apart. Like nobody talked about it anymore. Nick stopped talking about it. Like there was really no like uh, big efforts to run candidates, et cetera. And we tried to hand Nick like on a silver platter, like a political platform here, a political platform here. Here's an agenda. Here's a thing that you can tangibly do to affect political change. And always, you know, the response we would get when we run it up the chain to Nick it was like, not interested, not interested. Can't do that right now. We can go on a 17-day uh, white boy summer road trip um, to embarrass so, ourselves. So you do CPAC. all this uh, data yeah.
2: interpolation and analysis. You start vetting things. You start looking mm-hmm. at uh, demographics. You put together a platform and a plank. You start looking at candidates. Mm-hmm. You put together this dossier of how you can expand this as a political movement. And he's like, no, I want to get in my BMW and go look at cum stains.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny with the with the BMW, or I think it was actually like it it the Dodge Challenger it was like a reference to James Fields to ran through all those people.
0: So when Jane McNeil, after living with Nick Fuentes for eighteen months, moved out, uh, Nick apparently meshe- messaged him that he was going to use uh, some sort of light to to go through Jane's couch to look for cum stains
6: charlotte's film it's like first of is all, this license movie,
2: plate say hitler two three and four on the back <laughs> that would be a good one somebody should uh somebody should reserve that but
6: oh, no no it's, it's funny because during the white boys summer there was a um donor event and if you watch the white boys Summer movie that we put together you can kind of see where he's like addressing like this fancy room with like donors or whatever i don't know the timeline exactly but at that donor event i know that you know from talking to a lot of workers went there not just political donors but i remember roy talking about oh yeah yeah nick uh, got his money taken from the feds um and so, like, you know, we have, like, these legitimate political goals that can't be accomplished, that we're doing, you know, harsh data analysis. We're doing, like, these comparisons and talking to people in D.C., sending people out to campaigns. But instead of doing any of that, we do this road trip. And then we, when we go to, like, talk to donors, we lie to them. We say, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, my money's taken away. Oh, uh, woe is me. I'm so poor. And, like, you know, just to even take the morality out of it. You don't need to lie. Like, you know, as a Christian, I think it's terrible to take people's money based on a lie, obviously. However, you don't even need to lie there you know that's the thing it's like those people probably would have supported you even if you didn't lie to them but now i don't well, know if doesn't even test
2: them i mean i could have sworn i saw a clip of uh, i think it was nick and beardson talking about like doxing some guy um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really that they were doxing him but one of the comments they made was like oh he's a blue collar worker he's poor what piece of shit um it, and, and it's just weird to me that he'll take you know because you said At this donor event third workers there and stuff is he-
4: oh, baked alaska is saying he's going to press you irl and kick mm-hmm. your ass Jaden. So this That's is the
3: current strategy is mm. to send Yoba as the hitman. Hey, Jaden boxing, you versus Bake, let's fucking go.
1: That would, that would be interesting. <laughs> Alaska's going to come mace me.
3: Yeah, it's and crazy. I held back
4: on the guy. You heard it. I was – like like, yep. Didn't you say there was a bunch of sussy people at Bake's party? Do you want to oh, get yeah.
6: into that? Um, during White Boy Summer, yeah, it was, the sussy squad was all out in force. Um, Again, because I don't want to be involved in boxing. You know, I won't name them who they were there or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, like these are the kind of guys who – they call themselves the sussy squad. One of them is an actual homosexual, the other one is a sexual degenerate of, like, another greed, which I don't even want to go into. And these fucking faggots would constantly be, like, all over each other, you know, like, grabbing each other, like, you know, they one of them would always have his shirt off in front of them, and they would, like, tackle him and start tickling him, and I don't know if that's what Niffy means when he's talking about being sussy with
2: the bros, but, like, I think about, like,
6: all So that
4: sort of sussy gay behavior was going down at Bake's cool. So you're telling me thing.
2: that yes. at Baked Alaska's house, they just have random half-naked tickle parties?
4: Oh, <laughs>
1: on occasion, on occasion. Oh,
2: what the- you know, well, I, mean, maybe just I don't know. I fell asleep about...
1: drunk on the couch, but they all took pictures of me. While Did you was... wake up sore? No, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> for the record. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I passed out on the couch and they all took photos with me, which is well,
2: odd. It, it, real quick, as we were talking about the,
6: the Nick's recourse, um, you know, so <laughs> I don't think it'd be any surprise that me and Jayden know some people who are still in the internship in various different departments and various different teams. Um, and Nick's people, and this is in the last two or three days have demanded that they sign new work for hire forms and new NDAs um I don't know if maybe Nick somehow (laughs) lost the old ones or they need to like reword them so they can fuck people even harder but and this is one of the big you know we're talking about the bombshell Jane kissed a girl here's a bombshell they're trying to get any interns who are still left in there to sign new legal documents signing over their lives to Nick Fuentes if any of you people are watching the stream please don't fucking do it you know put a fake name and then run away I, I mean it's this like they're doing this right now, and I think they're demanding the new NDAs probably before the end of the week, maybe into next week, so you have a couple of days, you
4: know. <laughs> well, I remember Jaden saying that John Miller in particular was sussy. Is there any reason that John Miller was sussy at Bakes party or
6: Well I remember about John Miller at Bake's party is I felt very fucking bad for him. He got drunk, you know, which is what it is. And I know Jaden him and you were like fighting or whatever and
0: So John Miller's the one black guy who supports Nick Fuentes. You need that context too. <laughs>
6: Oh, uh, everybody was in the pool, um, which, by the way, because we were recording footage for the White Boy Summer movie, um, Nick said, absolutely do not record anything that goes on in the pool. I don't want them to see my hairy graper belly, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but we're all in, in the pool. And uh, and I guess, like, Nick was on a power trip or he had just had enough. Um, and excuse the language here, but he goes up to, to John Miller and he just starts screaming at him. And um, I can't remember everything he said, but I <laughs> Literally remember this. He looks at him straight in the face and he said, And you, and you fucking nigger, you know, as loud as possible, you can hear a pin drop, you know. And and Jaden, you remember this. no, I I was
1: just like, I don't know if we're on YouTube, if you can say that. sorry. sorry. Well, if
6: you're quoting, right, brother? If If you're quoting. Fair enough. If you're you're quoting.
4: That's what I was worried
1: about there. You aren't saying
3: it to a black person. Right, 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 right. No, I
6: wouldn't. Yeah. No, and and I was shocked at the time. And everybody there was shocked. And it was dead (laughs) silence. And everyone looked around at each other. And then a couple of. People there are just like, are like, uh, start like kind of fake laughing and everyone starts kind of laughing. And, uh, <laughs> it was so funny because John Miller came up to Nick later that evening and was like, hey man, uh, I really don't appreciate what you did to me back there. Um, and Nick's like, well, uh, yeah, well, you kind of deserved it. You were uh, you were acting like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, look, man. That kind of makes
1: cool though. <laughs>
6: I don't know if that's exactly cool. Oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I
4: don't know. Like this is supposed to be a integral member of his again, speech. John Miller is,
6: is a great guy. Like I don't know about the sussy stuff with him. That's not my thing. I didn't didn't ever experience that with John Miller. But John Miller is a guy who came from the Blaze, who had a real political career like Jaden. He's a black guy, you know, trying to give his life, sacrifice his oh, wait to speak John, too.
3: John's black? That, oh, he didn't know this? That makes yeah. the story crazier. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a black conservative oh, who my decided God. to screw his political life, you know Put
6: his political career oh, in jeopardy and harm's way for Nick to legitimize Holy. Nick's events. And he goes to hang out with Nick IRL, and this is what happens.
3: Oh, yeah. I thought it was some white guy that he was calling the N word. No, out. no, 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 no. That wouldn't oh. really be
6: a big deal. But the super chats, like before we go to the super chat question, I just sure. want to reiterate because you bring up a good point. Like, there's a reason that we haven't attacked any of the individual gripers, because I think a lot of these people flocked to this movement because they wanted something that was right wing, that was uh, you know, militant, and that was Christian. You know, they wanted to see the things that we read about in the
0: and as a comment in the chat the alt-right is just all drama and, and gossip well gossip's not a bad thing gossip can be destructive but generally speaking it means that other people matter you're not really a member of a community until people gossip about you so gossip indicates that you belong you have to be worth something to have people gossip about you so if you're doing anything at all that connects with other people and you form any kind of genuine connection with others there's going to be gossip. That's just an inherent part of the human condition. It's not, not necessarily a bad thing. Of course, anything can be overdone.
6: The Bible, they wanted to see victories accomplished on earth for the kingdom of heaven. And with with what, everything that me and Jade have been talking about tonight, I want to make it abundantly clear. Nick is not accomplishing anything for the kingdom of heaven, nor will he ever in the capacity of doing what he's doing right now with America First. And if you care at all about the will of God and seeing the kingship of, the kingship of Christ actually realized on earth, it takes a lot more than just chanting Christ is king, And then stabbing people in the back and going and and snitching to the feds etc and so when you were considering whether or not you're going to fill out those work for hire forms those ndas think about i know this will sound gay this will be played and made fun of because nick would always make fun of when i'd go on a christian tangent or religious tangent or whatever um you think about truly what would god want you to do what would our lord and savior jesus christ want you to do would you he want you to sell your soul to somebody who would just as easily throw it away tomorrow but wants you to live a good life get married you know find a woman have actual joy raise good children for you know with the white race you know we don't have very many children as nick's pointed out many times it's either that or it's being a slave to this guy because if you've learned anything from me and jaden tonight nick's gonna go on his stream and say that he's had the hardest year everyone's betrayed and everyone's backstabbed him but if a man has is kicked out of 109 different friendship relationships <laughs> it's not about those people Nick will take anyone who's close to him. People that will even suck up to him, even to this day. Like I love, you know, beardson You know, I still don't want to say anything bad about him because I did, you know, enjoy the friendship we once had. He'll take him and throw him under the bus when he's talking to me and Jaden. When he talks to me and someone else, he'll throw Jaden under the bus, and he's going to throw all everybody who gets close to him under the bus in any context. Nobody is safe from Nick's fucking gay faggot wrath. Okay. amen brother
4: simon amen what an incredible righteous speech i'm gonna go pee and (laughs) i'll be right back all right
3: it's so funny you say that it's the the exact same thing as ralph telling everyone oh everyone like backstabbed me this year Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i'm sure 29 people
4: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying the underwear story is intense bros
3: yeah, like, yeah, you don't even want to hear Nick, it. Nick,
4: Nick liked to do the laundry in the house, okay?
3: Let's just, oh, just leave it there. Holy cool shit. All right, guys, so we have Nick on fitness and being non-sexual. Let's go. Maybe later.
5: Alaskan rapper 444 sent $3. Gymnagas are the most annoying. You say you're okay with being skinny and they get mad in spam chat. It's totally normal to spurt when someone doesn't do what you do. Y'all still work at Burger King Odin.
8: Yeah, I. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, hmm.
9: I, I think it's... Uh, what is going Wait, Why does he just look like at that one yeah. long stretch?
8: Uh, just,
3: what a show. <laughs>
8: um, this I like, great. I, like, yeah. I like being a skinny guy. Yeah, you guys, some of you guys just don't understand me, and that's okay, okay? Some of you people... I know a lot of you just will never understand me,
3: really,
4: and that's okay. Um, you know, a-
3: we do understand so you, you s- a lot after today, though.
8: Understand,
4: you're a homosexual, <laughs> disgusting piece of shit. Is what we understand. You're a cum hunter. Nose, like, I'm so deep, nobody can understand me. I <laughs> alone, my shoulder the burden of saving the white race as a Mexican child. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
8: I- I'm an eccentric genius. I'm doing things that are not <laughs> possible. I'm not going to be just like you. If I was just like you, you'd be doing these things too, or
4: I'd be doing what you're doing. But I'm
8: not. I'm a little, I'm a little different. I'm a little different. I'm a little unique.
4: You could say that. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. leader, a little bit different, there, buddy. Yeah. In proclivities, making Jaden's come off the couch. I'd say you're, <laughs> with being a slight,
8: skinny individual. Um, I'll, I'll probably get muscular eventually. Oh, either get fat or muscular. And I'll choose muscular. But for now, kind of like it. I like the, uh, I, I like having the Timothy Chalamet kind of.
4: This is you know, such I a like cult. There's nobody in the world who prefers prefers being a hungry, hungry scarecrow skeleton to being a jacked, muscular Chad. Okay, this is some like fat acceptance too. Should it be like, look, I'm fat. I'm not the uh, image of physical fitness. Okay, but I don't sit up here and be like, oh, I'm healthy because I'm fat. I I just love being fat, bros. like, you no, know, I would never choose to be muscular instead. Like as if this fucking delusional copes from this guy's mind. Like, it gets better. Let's play it.
8: skinny. That's what I like. Okay, that's that's the look that I want. That's what I'm going for, and uh, and I'm okay with that. And you can you, people can say cope or whatever, but I'm I'm quirky. I'm quirky. We will.
3: You're quirky. I'm quirky. Isn't that what girls say about themselves, or what dudes say about girls? Quirky.
8: I'm quirky and I'm different, and that's really what I'm going for. I'm going for the.
3: Uh, what is he sitting like you
2: know,
8: that? It's I like... want I want a slender physique. Okay, I want a slim look. That's all.
0: <laughs> so. Ah!
4: What a cope. I'm the brand.
0: There's nothing inherently superior about working out or not working out. You're not a better man if you're muscular than if you're not muscular. Some people are better served studying Torah twelve hours a day. Now, other people are better served working out two hours a day.
8: I'm the brain, not the brawn. I don't need to be the brawn. Plus, <laughs> when when people my height get buffed, it call. makes them look
4: shorter. You ever notice that? This shit. like i can't get any muscular because if i get muscular i'll be even shorter and i'm a filthy man but this is amazing Oh my fucking, like A autism like
3: what a feltoning dude uh,
4: when
8: guys that are like under six feet tall get really really buff they just look weirder
3: what under six feet like the <laughs> you
4: average have man to, like you what have to be six feet taller you just have to kill yourself is basically what you say oh, it's pretty tough uh, you know
8: and honestly that's a cope it's such a cope it's like, listen, I'm not I'm not some big, tall guy. So I could get really muscular, and guess what? Your average
4: 6'5 person is going to punch me so hard I'll die. You know what I mean? I mean, that's not, it's not even almost true. Like, <laughs> like, just because somebody's tall doesn't mean that they know how to fight. I mean, they might be a fucking skeleton, or like, if you're jacked, then you fucking know.
0: Right. Some people are best served by putting in time, learning the, the gentle art of verbal self-defense. Other people are better served using... Learning, like, real-life physical self-defense. There's nothing inherently superior about either solution. It's all situational. You
4: know how to fight, and you're short. You're going to beat the fuck out of somebody who's not jacked, that's yeah. tall, and doesn't know what they're doing. So this is just beyond fucking cult. Like, this is just full-on denial of reality so he can live in his fucking, like, hug box and not
0: having to go to the gym.
3: <laughs> and chicks like, no matter how tall you are, if you're fit. Like, that's not, like, unheard of, <laughs>
0: There's- yeah women that probably have a mild preference for guys who are fit but there are there are a lot of things that are far more important to women than whether or not you're fit a lot of just say like
4: out. all you have to do is say like look i don't really want to go to the gym i don't like going to the gym like i understand it's better you'd be better if i was jack jazz- right
0: so this is a good point here by ppp nick is entertaining he's glib uh but uh he is leaving himself wide open for this critique here from ppp
4: but like i'm soft and I care more about like my comfort than my actual health, which I'll be first to admit. Like, I don't really care about my health. Like, I treat my body like shit, which I shouldn't do. But at least I can recognize that. Like Nick's just full on in Copesville, like an alternate reality for the hopeless. That's where he's at. <laughs> now, not that I'm short; sure, I'm like average
8: height. But there's a lot of guys are out there that are like under six feet tall. That I think that's their cope. They're like, "Well, I'll just be, I'll just be so muscular." And it's like, okay, someone who's like six six,
0: like Michigan Zoomer, will. There's nothing wrong with having a cope. The important question is, does the cope serve you or not? So for some people believing in the divinity of Jesus serves them. For other people believing in the divinity of Torah, that serves them. Other people believing in the sublimity of a particular type of yoga serves them. So there are a lot of irrational, non empirical beliefs that serve people. So the question is whether the cope serves you or not. So if your primary source of excitement in life is pornography, then that probably doesn't serve you. If your primary source of excitement in life is internet blood sports, probably doesn't serve you. If, if you're incredibly excited for days and days and days about the Kentucky Derby, that probably... ...addicts have, have a love addiction. They're just desperate to be loved. And then all these other addictions, whether to alcohol, to drugs, to, to sports, to to the internet, are distractions from the core addiction, which is a desperate, desperate, desperate yearning for connection and for love, because they haven't mastered these elemental parts of being human. So at core, probably a third of the population has, has a love addiction. And then the other addictions, such as to sports, are a distraction from that core addiction. And then the core addiction isn't the primary problem, the core addiction is a reflection of the primary problem, which is an il- inability to be at ease with oneself and with other people. As long as you're not at ease with oneself, you can be surrounded by people and still feel lonely.
4: We'll Just cave your head in with one punch. So and- not, not true. Like what? Eternal the- manlet. Like the manlet is just mogged. Like he's just he's dunking on himself. And not only that, but every member of his movement, because not one of them six foot tall. jaden has gone. So <laughs> not one of them is over five foot ten hey okay. fucked
8: We're and a lot of these, these sh-
4: in full effect. Yeah. shorter guys they'll go and get
8: really really buff and then they'll just look like goblins they'll just look like hobbits i don't want to look like, like a goblin, okay?
4: <laughs> okay <Beardson. laughs> like your fingers are like the goblins and fucking harry potter dude like your hooked, hooked crooked nose that makes you look very jayish Like nick is full goblin mode and so is Beards.
0: and then there's a the comparison of nick to joffrey And if the content earlier on in this stream is true, then the comparison to the Games of Thrones character Joffrey seems pretty apt. The chat says, my primary excitement comes from commentary on commentary of internet blood sports. Uh, (laughs) And uh, humiliating someone is very primitive behavior. Right. Usually people after about age 30 do not humiliate other people uh, face to face. So humiliating people in person is primarily something that, that's done by people under 20, and we usually grow out of it. So when I was going through my health problems in, in my 20s, almost nobody over 40 tried to humiliate me for it, while uh, half the people I knew at my age wouldn't humiliate me. Listen, for fuck's sake.
3: So if you're under six foot, you get jacked. You're a hobbit? Like, come on. Oh, come on, Nick. There's no hope.
4: What does it make you if you're not Jack? Like, whoa. <laughs> I'm skinny.
8: I'm, I'm not tall. It is what it is. And then that's just, you know, that's just how I look. I look like a Minecraft character.
3: Okay. Chat. In it's done. It's done. What does that mean? He looks like a Minecraft character. I do not know. It just sounds fucked. <laughs> he did, like, the walk of, like, the Minecraft dudes. But
8: some of these guys are just coping. They're like, if I can't be tall, then I'll, I'll be, you know. And I'm like, listen, I'm the brains. Okay. I'm not the bronze. I'm the brains. I'm the, I'm the sort of uh, refined, aristocratic. What? Um,
4: <laughs> the delusions of grandeur. Like, A- aristocratic. Whoa, buddy. Whoa. Like, keep sniffing. Like, keep huffing that copium, Nick. Holy. Does it taste good? Does it smell good, brother? He's only been on copium
0: yeah copium when it, it works when, when it serves you when it does not distract you from what you, you need to do yeah sometimes copium's awesome and it helps you and then sometimes it leads to maladaptive behavior Man,
8: he's fucking like skinny here. slight it's so fucking funny intellectual i'm the brains oh protect me protect me protect the brains. that's always how i've been that's always how i've been you know?
4: What a real man.
8: I'm like, you ever yeah. see that movie? Calling
4: Run? on others to protect him? Now he's gonna say he's the guy from Midnight Rider. No, he's not. Okay.
8: You know? I'm like, you ever see that movie, Midnight Run? I'm like the accountant in Midnight Run. I'm not, well, he's tall, but. Oh, fuck.
3: You know, I'm. He's, I'm, tall. I'm, like, I'm not, he's tall, so actually, never
8: mind.
4: Hold on, he's about to say something even more insane. Listen to this. C3PO. c 3
8: you know, I'm, I'm. I'm like C3PO.
3: Didn't I say that?
8: We no, you doing Star did Wars.
4: Last yeah.
3: Yeah. did he, did he just... fucking kind of know anything about Star Wars? So I'm like, what is Nick like? Did he watch our show and it like absorbed in his like thoughts?
4: subconsciously into his mind? Rent free, wanting to change in the voice. <laughs> I don't even... I'm, uh, you
3: know,
8: I'm, I'm light. I'm, I'm refined. I'm delicate. I'm. Uh... I'm
4: delicate. delicate. He's a delicate, dainty little twink boy.
0: There's nothing inherently wrong with being light or delicate. Some people have, have different bone structure. Some people have different personality structures. Some people have different physiology. There's nothing superior or inferior about being light-boned or big-boned, uh, delicate or, or brawny. It depends on the situation and, and depends on you know what life is asking of you. Is life asking of you that you bulk up? Is life asking of you that you study more Torah?
3: It's done! This is the craziest thing. Every time we watch one of his clips, I don't think it could get crazier. I'm delicate.
8: That's just, that's how I am. That's how I choose to be. I choose to be an aristocrat. I choose to be like a king. I choose to be like a king. Oh. You know, it would be very sad if a king was like, could you imagine a king like down on the floor on like a mat doing like crunches? How unbecoming. I'm a king.
4: Yeah, I cannot be like, based. Like, it's just like he has zero conception. Like a lot of kings throughout history, especially in ancient history, were jacked as fuck.
8: Yeah. Like...
4: Like, I, I don't know, like, warrior kings and stuff like that were pretty fucking jacked and yoked. And they went into battle with their men. Nick prefers, like, the effeminate, like, Louis the Fourteenth. like...
0: So I currently have a life where I can work out about two hours a day. And that fits with my life right now. But if I had to choose between, say, working out two or three hours a day and and then, say, reading for two and a half of those hours, if that that was the the alternative possibility and just working out half an hour a day, I'd probably be best, better served off you know, reading for an extra two and a half hours a day.
4: Weird gay court bullshit and like being a prissy homo. That's like his style of leadership and being a king. Instead of like being a badass and leading by example. <laughs> <laughs> defending servants. Like, oh my
3: God. I said this yesterday. He's like a, a Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Like the exact same fucking personality traits.
8: King, okay. I'm a king. I, I wake up and I, I ring a bell and I say, bring me, bring me my pancakes.
3: So that's like Uber, that's a, me- a metaphor for Uber
8: Eats. So it's
4: Uber Eats
3: it doesn't have actual servants or
4: anything. <laughs> Uber <laughs> Eats. God. I call <laughs> out my <laughs> phone. <laughs> uh, Uber Eats. Huzzah. Uh, yes, I can't cook McTot-
3: for myself. Huzzah. Uber Eats. Huzzah. The, the McDonald's. yeah. <laughs>
8: bring me my pancakes ah delightful delightful my pancakes have arrived these are my decrees for the day you know i I I bet
3: bet you two his chats like you drop this with a crown emoji and they're like oh you are a king you know dressed up
8: and i put on my my finest wig and i put on my tights and my my purple king's coat and then i sit on the throne and i write decrees
4: you know (laughs) wow Fuck man, this like, it's, is just, mental it's actually delusional. I know I say delusional a lot. This is fucking. This is the cake, boy.
8: <laughs> Could oh you imagine God. how unbecoming it would be if I'm like down on the gym floor? I'm like a rubber mat, and I'm like you know contorting myself, and I've got like some like I've got like some rubber band, and I'm like doing some rubber band exercise. Ugh. Ugh. Ugh.
3: Like, there are some rubber band exercises, but that's not what majority of people do. No, gym.
4: I mean, like, the people that actually get jacked are lifting heavy-ass weights.
3: The bench pressing, squatting, like, shoulder press, like...
4: Oh, so this is just, like, how fruity Nick is, that his first thought of, like, what the gym is, is, like, resistance band exercises. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's obviously never been to the gym. Like, he has no fucking clue. Oh. I save this. Kai, our guy. Kai the spy. Take this guy lifting. Show him the way, Please, Kai and I'm, like,
8: sweating, and I'm, like, my hands are dirty, and I'm, like, rolling around, and I'm in the mud. It's, like... In the mud? No, 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 not for me. Not for me. (laughs) Not not for me. What is going on? It's like Obama. Remember when Obama was caught in the gym?
3: Remember when Obama was caught in the gym? What?
8: And he looked like a bitch. He looked like a bitch. When Obama...
3: When that leaked video of Obama in the gym came out, he looked like a bitch. So... Imagine seeing a guy do a bench press and you're like, what a bitch.
4: Well,
3: like, what Obama was doing was
4: kind of wimpy, but, like, at the end of the day, who really gives a fuck? Like, yeah, okay, I like, don't know he's what he's like doing. His, he's in his mid 50s. He was doing, like, machines. He was, like, working out at, like, the hotel gym on the machines. Oh. I don't know. Bitch. Whatever. Like, it is
3: what it is. No shame in that, so. How dare a man stay healthy? No, it's just like the ultimate. So ultimate. My, Whoa, Obama
4: lifted, so I won't. It's like, pit <laughs> him. Hitler drank water, so I won't drink water. Hitler liked dogs, so dogs are from the devil. Okay. Honest to God, that's my feelings on it.
8: I will eventually be in the gym, I think,
4: at some point. But what? That's the complete opposite we you just said. Oh, he's. but listen, he's just coping here. Because he starts seething really bad after this. Like, we've gone through the cope phase. We're now starting to turn the ignition on the seethe
3: phase. Okay, all right. Yeah.
4: And I'll be working out, and I'll have like a sexy
8: physique and all that. You know, I know it's everybody. Everybody wants me to have a hot physique. Kind of, kind of weird. Everybody's always
4: so worried about you know that I have to have a hot body. A, a group. It's nothing to do with having a hot body. It's about like your health. And not only that, but you talk about physiognomy and optics or everything. And wouldn't it be good to have a leader who was fucking yoked
3: and smart? This ubermensch is... or whatever. No, but here's what I I picked up on that. Everyone is saying you have to have a hot body, but you only talk to men. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No. So he's got no, a bunch of no, men. No. Saying, we want you to have a hot no, body, okay?
6: No,
8: no. Who's even seeing it? Who's even seeing it? You need to have a hot body. Why? I do my show fully clothed. I'm not out there uh, banging chicks.
3: Okay, like we've hit, we've hit like peak crazy delusion. I'm not out there banging chicks. Okay, that sucks. Sorry to hear.
8: Okay, nobody even sees me like that. I'm not
3: out there begging. I gotta cheap. look
8: really good. What, for when I take a shower by so myself?
4: Bad. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, look on his face, man. Yeah.
3: I'm
8: out there begging chicks.
4: doesn't huh?
8: even make any sense. I mean, this is, this is all I have to lift all day. Is a good sound? <laughs> Yeah, but eventually don't worry, I'll get a hot body that everybody can look at and everybody'll be like, Wow, that's really hot. And they can imagine. Oh, that having was some homosexual shit.
3: <laughs> Whoa, that was insane. Body that everybody can look- for everyone to look at, okay.
8: Look at and everybody will be like, Wow, that's really hot. And they can imagine having sex with me. <laughs> I don't want people to imagine having sex with me. I want you to not sexualize me. I'm I'm anti sexual. I'm not I'm not anything sexual. I'm anti-sexual. I'm not a sexual guy. Uh huh. Like an angel. Like I'm like an angel. I'm like a innocent wait, 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 an innocent. It's an angel. angel, folks. A literal angel. An angel. Childlike angelic. A
4: childlike angel, angelic. Wow. Long <laughs> He's calling himself a genius.
8: <laughs> yes. And basically, I don't want you to think of me in a dirty, carnal way. But I guess I'll do it for you anyway, you sicko. I guess I'll get all sexy for you, sickos, because that's all this world cares about is sex appeal. Okay, I'll get-
0: okay, that's enough. Let's get uh, Jake Lloyd here talking about don't be an antisocial freak.
9: You're loyal to me. I'm loyal to you, and I would never abandon you. That's why I came back. That's why I came back. I would.
0: Thank you. You know, you know how it
9: is on the Jake Lloyd show. Phase sixteen of uh, American genocide. We're going to bring on. Uh, <laughs> we're going to bring on so and so to talk about it. It's like that. So
0: he was part of Alex Jones's crew. This is Jake Lloyd.
9: Except it's papers blowing around my room and uh, clouds going overhead and disrupting the lighting. Anyway. Oh, and of course the camera losing its focus. It's a better camera, believe it or not. I mean, I don't know if you can see that right now. It's Anyway. In order to have any kind of successful political movement or any kind of successful anything, you need to not be an antisocial freak. You can't be weird. You can't hate normal people. And that's the first uh, point that I'm going to discuss, which will probably take up the bulk of our discussion today. But uh, And this was going to be the title, but I didn't think that it was as good of a title, which is, like, you need to stop hating the world. There's a tendency in the right wing, like primarily the online, online dissident right, Throughout its various stages, evolutions, iterations, what have you, there's a tendency in the right wing to like hate the world, to hate everybody that is not in your group, and then even to sometimes hate people within your group. Generally, the reason that you would hate somebody is because they don't perfectly align with your uh, beliefs with your like, chosen pet ideology or whichever philosopher or old author you like to read, they don't perfectly align with you, and so you hate them and you uh, push them out. Or maybe you just don't really like them that much, you don't think that they're very cool, you don't like uh, their audience, and so you purity spiral and you like virtually kill them like you try to kill their career. Or you uh, find a group that you hate. There's a group in society to which you assign all of the negative aspects of our culture. You assign blame onto them for all of the aspects to our culture. And I'm not talking about, you know, any one particular group. I mean that there are always different groups within these, uh, within these circles that are scapegoated. Sometimes it is a, uh, let's just say a national group, a group of a certain nationality, an ethno-religious group, women, um, normies, Anybody that can be considered other dissenters, old people, whatever. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be aware of the issues with various different groups. Each issue, even uh, white men, has contributed to the decline of our nation in unique ways. And it's important that we understand the unique ways and the particular ways that each group has contributed to the decline of our culture, the decline of our society, uh, the degeneration of what we see around us. We have to understand that, but it can't lead us to a. It can't lead us to an irresponsible hatred of these people. And hopefully that makes sense, because we can understand that certain groups uh, commit crime at a disproportionate rate without hating every single person uh, which we come across that happens to be part of that group. We can understand that women are not uh, logical creatures, or they're not quite as rational as men are in many ways, that they have like depth perception problems, that they uh, make decisions Emotionally, but we can also acknowledge that that doesn't make them like innately flawed or evil, uh, and it doesn't mean that all of them in the world are out to get us and trying to make our lives hell just because of you know just because you uh, think that they are responsible for for certain issues in our world. And the problem with this is that when you view everyone as an enemy, when you hate everyone outside of your little group. Uh, When you make everyone else in the world your enemy, then everybody else in the world starts to see you as an enemy. Even people who you would like to make into an ally at some point, somebody who you would like to become friends with, they're not going to want to become friends with you if you are uh, constantly destroying relationships and burning bridges or doing, you know, just being like a weirdo. And this goes beyond politics. This goes into your, as I've talked about with the issues uh, that we discussed yesterday and the day before, these issues like will ripple throughout your life they don't just it's not just um confined to the world of political relationships or um those sorts of things but these apply to your work life they apply to your life at school with your family people who you are friends with or maybe who you would like to be friends with the social circles that you run in if you do run in social circles and that's another thing that we'll uh talk about and that that falls under the anti-social freak category broadly is um There's like the kind of people who run in social circles and uh, like burn them down. And then there are the kind of people who hate everyone so much that they refuse to get involved in social circles. And both of those are equally bad in in different ways. And so you need to change the perception that you have of the people around you. First and foremost, like if you just look at things from a purely utilitarian perspective, then you'll like, if you can-
0: Right, so if you focus on what separates you from people around you, you you will create distance yourself and others if you focus on what you have in common with people you'll be more likely to connect and be effective and be happy
9: objectively look at it you know that you need
0: So, so for example i used to walk past this dog park all the time and never gave it a second thought then i started going to the dog park and you know talking to people and enjoying the dogs there and i immediately got more connected felt happier connected to more people i i like dogs and so for years, I just walked past and then I joined the dance. There are, there are a lot of mysteries. that are only accessible to those inside the dance.
9: need other people for whatever you're trying to accomplish. If you want to get a good job, you need to know people. You need to meet people and be presentable to them in an interview. If you want to get a good grade in class, if you want your teacher to work with you, you need to be like a normal person who uh, comes across as reasonable. You can't seem angry to them. You can't be causing problems. You can't not be showing up to class all the time. And these are just practical uh, examples that you might encounter in your daily life. <clears throat> much of your life can be made so much easier just by getting along with other people. Because a functional person, like a, a well-adjusted, well-socialized, functional person does get along with other people. And because of this, they have some leeway in their relationships, in their interactions if you are not that person then people won't want to work with you as i said a minute ago not only will people see that you're like a bridge burner or that you're unreliable or that you uh are are like you have low impulse control and you're constantly causing problems for people who you're friends with if people see that then they're going to want to avoid that from the you know just avoid that possibility from the get-go and they're not going to want to be friends with you they're not going to want to develop any kind of relationship with you but also take the example of school And this is this is here. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, In high school, I was like a pretty normal kid. I wasn't like I was not a good student. I will say that I was not a good student. Let's that's the point of the story. But I'll give you some background about the rest of it. Um, You know, I was like um, I got along with pretty much everybody just fine. There was nobody that I bullied. Nobody bullied me. Um, I played football in high school. So it was just like a very normal life. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying to stand out in school in any, any particular way. I, I, as you know, like I said, I was a bad student, so I wasn't really, I wasn't really passionate about doing anything school related well, meaning I didn't want to be in student council. I didn't want to like get recognized for having good grades because I didn't care. I didn't want to, like, I liked playing football, but I wasn't trying to go to college on a football scholarship. I didn't even want to play football in, school, in, in college. And so I wasn't out there like trying to do anything. I was just, you know, doing my role, playing my part and getting along. And then, uh, you know, like...
0: <laughs> so the the subtext for this is it's a shot at Nick Fuentes and the direction of America first.
9: I say that, it like, and I, that applies to football. In the high school portion, this doesn't apply well um, because I was, like, I skipped class a lot and all that kind of stuff. However, I was, like, a very normal person. I was very well-presenting. I was friendly. I am, like, relatable, I think. I think that I'm naturally relatable. People say that I have, like, a trustworthy face, that I, you know, I'm not, like... I'm not a weirdo. People are very confident that, okay, baseline assessment of this guy who I'm meeting right now, not a weirdo. And because of that, um, I was able to develop relationships with my teachers and with my counselors. I was in my counselor's office all the time. And despite the fact that I was skipping class all of the time.
0: So I never once talked to my high school counselor. <laughs> never once. Uh, just before my last semester, she, she, she gave everybody a note and i think she she made the point that there were no particular classes that i needed to take that obviously i was headed for graduation
9: time which is bad don't do that i shouldn't have been doing that um made my
0: and uh, at community college i talked to the counselor several times i wanted to see if i could get out with get away from the highest uh, the most difficult form of calculus and take a watered down form of calculus but still major in economics and he told me that was that was a bad idea this is JFKRP talking about YouTube holding your super chat money. And your
10: consumers. So it can only cost you. Not only do they cost you something in terms of their salaries, in terms of keeping them alive. Uh, Firestarter says PayPal is owned by Elon, right? No. (laughs) Elon has been part of those who were early into PayPal, uh, but he has sold his shares a a long, long time ago. Uh, That was even before uh, Elon Musk went on to fund the movie Thank You for Smoking. So it's uh, decades ago, I believe. So yes, you have these employees. They cost you something in terms of salaries, but it's not all. Whenever they take a decision, they cost you something because they're, they're banning uh, your own customers from your own business. So perhaps some of the CEOs, what they do is they say, all right, whenever my trust and safety committee identifies someone to have violated the rules, I have to pay these salaries. So I'm going to steal from those people who they claim have broken the rules. They've done the same thing to me with YouTube. They, they still owe me $4,000, $5,000 for my last month after they demonetized me. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we demonetized you and uh, the cycle of payment is only in a month and, and you are out of the cycle of payment and now you're demonetized, so we can't pay you. But those are super chats that I had received during the month where I was, uh, where I was uh, monetized. The Ember Heard trial is...
0: Yeah, so relying on live streaming income is not a good idea. It's, it's very chancy and can be taken away at any time. This is Mark Collette going up against uh, Richard Spencer. I believe this happened last week.
11: known about Mark and listened to him for you know many years now. Um, and I would agree with quite a bit. Um, I think my general criticism, because I don't want to make it anything personal, my, my general criticism of the right is that due to understandable um, grievances about the government and about liberal journalists and so on, that they fall prey to a certain contrarianism in which they don't ultimately think for themselves, but they make a kind of knee jerk reaction to anything like, say, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Well, the New York Times like it, likes it, therefore, or the New York Times hates it, therefore, we love it. COVID, New York Times is for masking, we're against it, we're against it et cetera, et cetera. It's a kind of we are in total opposition and total resistance. Um, I, I don't, I'm curious. I would. And I
0: think Richard's 100% correct here.
11: I'd be curious to learn what he thinks of the recent um, Supreme Court decision that, that affects the United States, of course, and not, not his country. But there's this genuine contrarianism, this genuine desire to join the resistance, which I do not think is intelligent because it
0: is... Well, a lot of people want to join the resistance because that's what they genuinely believe is, is fighting on the side of right and good. Other people want to join the resistance because that's how they get their primary source of excitement and meaning and and feeling important in life and and if the latter is your primary motivation it's probably not going to work out too well so the the main problem with right-wing distant movements in the united states is the low quality of the people who join them and often who lead them
11: it's not thinking for ourselves and i think basically is leading us to fight all of these endless battles that don't actually affect the things that mark cares about and if you are in endless resistance to the system the system will win and i am not interested in just being a martyr and taking up every cockamamie cause i have i have a friend who joked about this and i think it might very well be true if there were an editorial in the new york times um, that suggested that eating dog shit is bad for your health. I imagine that many nationalists would start eating dog shit for breakfast every morning. Some... No,
0: no, it's not nationalists. It's a particularly deranged brand of nationalism, right? Nationalism is not inherently stupid, as as Richard portrays. Some kind of
11: form of resistance and demonstration of their they're a sovereign individual and they're fighting the system and all the blue hairs are against this. So we must be for it. The fact is, we should think for ourselves.
0: So where did I hear recently that the owner of Odyssey watches every single JF garapi stream? I find that interesting.
11: And we should try to calculate at what all of these things will ultimately lead to. For one thing, Donald Trump. If Donald Trump had become a COVID fascist, uh, he would have won the 2020 election.
0: There's no doubt in my mind. Right, because that's a good point. Because fear of contagion is a... Normal reaction when you 're right wing right to to be right wing is to have stronger fears and, and more reaction and stronger fears and reaction in particular against contagion, anything that might impurify our vital bodily fluids
11: and he did to a certain degree his major problem was that he due to his mouth, was associated with all sorts of COVID denial, uh, weird schemes of, you know, hydrochloroquine or ivermectin, I guess that came a little bit later, and so on. He was on their side, at least rhetorically, and that freaked out a lot of old white people who voted for him in 2016. So you have to calculate, and that's just a, you know, purely political take, you have to calculate these things and think about what is ultimately serving our interest. I think a more powerful NATO and a neo cold war is actually serving our interests if you will just simply think down the line and not jump on to some oh there's some massively
0: so i can see richard's argument here and he may be right on the other hand a more powerful data might might prompt world war three and and a nuclear exchange between the united states and russia which would be an absolute disaster so it could be that standing up to Russia over Ukraine is the right policy. I'm skeptical of that. I think the dangers are way too great, so i w- I think that the war started precisely because the Biden administration started shipping arms to ukraine right that's That's what happened right before Russia started moving troops to the border and threatening to invade. So I think NATO and the United States have been too subsidizing of Ukraine and that this has brought us to, to, the, to the brink of war. We're definitely fighting a proxy war right now with Russia. I don't think that's in our best interests. So I disagree with Richard. I, I'm surprised how little interest the Biden administration has in, in peace in Ukraine v- versus Russia how little interest the Biden administration has shown in in trying to bring about an end to the conflict. Instead, the Biden administration has explicitly said they want regime change in Russia, they want to weaken Russia, and they want Ukraine to be victorious, and they're going to keep supplying Ukraine until it is victorious. To me, this is disastrous. And the killer thing is this wouldn't be happening if Biden was in a stronger political position. Joe Biden is risking the health of the world, risking World War III, engaging in a proxy war with Russia, putting, putting Europe, the United States, the whole world in a much more dangerous position to try to strengthen his party's political prospects for the midterm elections. Like If Biden was politically secure, he would never have gone to the mat for Ukraine and engaged in a proxy war with Russia. It's similar to what John F. Kennedy did with the Cuban Missile Crisis, vis-a-vis the Soviet Union. So John F. Kennedy thought he had a particular need to stand up and show himself to be strong against the Soviet Union because the Democrats were cruising towards a thumping in the midterm elections. So he took the world to the brink of nuclear war in large part for his own partisan political interests. So I think the Biden administration's policies with regard to Ukraine have been disastrous, absolute disastrous, putting us... In great danger,
11: corrupt, um, you know, quasi evil state that's invading its neighbor. We must like them. He's the sa- Putin's the savior of Western civilization. He is not. And there are actually some very good things that will come about. Uh, the current situation we're in. So it's really about a long-term calculus and thinking for ourselves, and not just reacting endlessly to what the New York, you know, the New York Times says A, we say B. Blue hair, blue hair, SJW says C, we say D. It becomes contrarian and boring, and it is not part of a longer-term vision. Um, and again, all of these battles, I, I hate to break the news to you, but you're going to lose all of these battles. Russia is going to lose. This will be a humiliation for Russia. You know it. The COVID stuff. Uh, Well, Russia is doing really poorly and they are facing off against a NATO, which...
0: If this is a humiliation for Russia, that multiplies our chances of nuclear war by 20 times. That puts us in a very dangerous position. So when I was a blogger dealing with a lot of unstable people, I tried to give everyone who spoke to me an advantage in speaking to me. Okay. I, when when I went around interviewing people, I tried to do the opposite of overtly humiliating people. I tried to connect with people and enable them to establish some dignity and to present their own, own point of view, because, for among other reasons, that made me a lot safer. You don't want to humiliate dangerous people. You don't want to unnecessarily humiliate dangerous people. And Putin and Russia are dangerous. It is...
11: Fully implemented and is going to, at the very least, have it end up with a divided Ukraine and half Western half of which will be in NATO. I mean, I, I don't. I, this don't was, think, I don't think
7: the right is. I so think, why lose? Think, why endlessly lose? What do you mean? Why endlessly lose? What you're basically saying is the most. Re- well,
0: I think both Richard and Mark ha- have been addicted to losing. Uh, Richard, I think, has learned some lessons from his humiliation and his. His commentary has made a lot more sense in some ways over the last 18 months.
7: Ridiculous and retarded argument I've ever heard. What you're saying is, you we should give up what we stand for so we stand with our enemies because then we win as well. That's not, That's we, not what I'm saying. That giving up what you believe in to adopt your enemy's point so when they implement things that you don't want, you can go, Yay, we said that too. That isn't I, we, I agree. I wanted COVID restrictions.
11: I want a strong NATO and a neo-cold war. I'll just tell you that is what I want.
7: I'm not doing this because I'm a coward. What you want is the latest contrarian hot take that's going to make the average nationalist viewer listen to you. And you beyond, you don't listen to me. This spiral since Charlottesville and this sort of cumulated with that awful interview you did with that Ellie creature recently where you sort of apologise for this, you had to go at Trump. You keep saying when Trump lost the election because... Well, I can finish that sentence for you. Trump lost the election because of massive coordinated electoral fraud that was covered up by the media. Oh, God. I mean, no.
0: So, talking there about Richard's interview with l Reeve from Vice magazine. See, we're just... I don't believe in any of this Have nationalist you, can stuff. I and
11: j- can I
7: ask you a jokes question? The
11: nationalist Jones, listen, to me. you're
0: not really
7: giving me much time to address what you're saying. And I'll say this, Richard: Have you ever been to an election count before? An election count, no. No, I have. I have. Mean, I, I I've been to election counts. And as someone who's been to election counts, I have never in my life seen the kind of irregularities that were on.
0: Uh, this is absurd because uh, Mark Collette has been to election counts. Therefore, he, he thinks he knows something about electoral fraud.
7: ...show in a widespread number of places, especially in the city areas, that we saw at the last presidential election. And I am not alone. There are entire states that went to the Supreme Court complaining about mass electoral fraud. You can't say none of this happened, because this isn't a fringe theory. It's a theory held by the then incumbent who was unseated. It was a theory held by several states. It's a widespread theory, because there was clearly mass electoral fraud. It's a widespread
11: theory among QAnon fans, and of course Donald Trump holds it. So what about the states that What
7: about the states? Do you think
11: Marjorie Taylor Greene was elected by the deep state? Do you think that's what happened?
7: Look, the thing is, Richard, that we was obviously have very different opinions. I am not contrarian to people simply because of their hair color. I'm contrarian to people who have bad ideas. I believe that NATO fermented this war in, in the Ukraine because they want regime change in Russia because Putin isn't exactly on side with all of their ideas. I believe they fermented this war in the Ukraine because they wanted to test many of their new anti-tank weapons, which they are currently using this battleground.
0: Okay, I don't think that uh, NATO provoked this war to test their anti-tank weapons. So I was up to, I was with Mark until that final statement there
7: as a testing site
0: for i believe, if you believe that
11: that's simply a disagreement that
0: we have and, and i i think there's actually but a, i believe a, a powerful, powerful russia, what russia
7: which stands on a more traditional christian ground
0: that's absurd all right putin is not some uh burning christian All right, russia is not a traditional christian society russia is overwhelmingly a secular society America is putatively religious, but it's overwhelmingly still a secular society. Look at how Americans do business. There's there's no no real influence of of religion moderating the cutthroat way that Americans do business. So the West is overwhelmingly secular. Russia is overwhelmingly secular. This this idea that Putin is some embodiment of traditional Christian values is absurd.
7: And opposes many of the social democratic degenerate uh, social policies sweeping the West is a good thing because I
0: believe that different... Russia is not opposing degenerate policies uh, sweeping uh, the West. Russia is trying to ferment fighting and disputes within the West to weaken the West. Russia is not particularly invested in one way or another on many of the social issues and cultural and political issues that the Westerners fight over.
7: Uh, competing global powers keep each other in check. And I think the more power that the West has at the moment, the more of a whip hand the crooked and twisted Western liberal democratic system has, the more they use that unopposed power, to do terrible things to white people and to replace white people demographically and dispossess them of their lands, their rights, etc. And you supported Biden, but since Biden's come in, he's been a disaster. Far, whatever oh, you he think of it. Trump, Biden has been a much bigger disaster than Trump. Whether you, you This just, just sounds like I'm listening to Fox News. It doesn't sound like you're listening to Fox News. So you want all of the... Yeah, this Biden is literally the most, all the Fox Biden news. has the most Jewish cabinet in American history. You want transgender... And Trump didn't? Jews. You want trans... Well, let's not get into Jews.
10: Trump's daughter was Jewish, wasn't she?
7: She had a Jewish family, but she's, she can't be Jewish. because She converted... Well, Jewish. she claims... You can't conver- that's you not true, actually. actually. But she can't ever become racially a Jew. You can't be transracial.
0: No, but she practices Judaism, though. She. Yeah, yeah, she- plenty of people have joined tribes uh, over the years who weren't born, born into the tribe. So, so many tribes have had methods and mechanisms and acculturation processes by which outsiders can then join. So what Jews and Judaism do is no different than what tribes have done for thousands of years.
7: She may have converted I to Judaism. Judaism yeah, I know racially she's not. Well. Yeah, I mean, you can't but convert races. Race Because it comes up on DNA tests. Religions don't come up on DNA tests, Richard. That's- yes, but the DNA test of
11: Ashkenazi Jews is that they're more than 50% European. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a coherent race in the way that, say, Caucasoids or Mongoloids are. Um, Weird. So when you look at them, way. you can
7: actually see. When you can look at them, not always. That's like, not always true. true at all. Yeah. you know, the fact of the matter is,
0: when you look. Wow, the Richard's kid there popping up on on the live stream.
7: At things. I mean, you asked. You, you sort of started talking about. Did you mention Roe versus Wade? What I think about the latest abortion thing sure i did mention that yes yeah go, well, i think go, yeah, go. i think the repe- repealing roe versus wade is a good thing i don't believe yeah. that there should be abortion on demand because-
11: i'm not a conservative as i've told you guys over I, I and over abortion again on
7: demand divorces uh responsibility from action and if you divorce responsibility from action you have so
0: yeah seeing this little kid you know jumping onto richard during the live stream it's very hard to lead a life that uh, then doesn't feed back and affect your family right your family's got a pop up onto your live stream if you do enough of them a nation of ill-tempered babies if- i mean i know my own inclinations is trying to have these separate spheres for my life but uh they tend to blend together and, and the more coherent your life is so that different spheres of your life are not at war with each other the better off you are
7: they can do what they want without any repercussions i also think that unregulated abortion which you now have leads to horror stories which you have in certain u.s states of abortion up to the day of birth when you have abortion up to the day of birth you have literally the horrific case of babies
0: being can you imagine this kid going to therapy one day it's like oh when i was growing up my daddy was going on the kill stream all the time debating Mark collette nick Fuentes
7: killed because any baby the day before its birth is a viable human being that can live without its mother which means you have to deliver that baby and leave it somewhere to die and i am not somebody who thinks that those who wish to deliver living viable children and leave them in a metal container filled with cold water to die it.
0: so mark Latt is incredibly glib right he's a great talker he's like nick fuentes so he's not it's not particularly deep but he's a facile speaker.
7: exposure That's disgusting. And the people doing it, we would be better off without them. The world would be better off cleansed of people who do monstrous things. So, yeah,
0: Mark Lett then just made the case for abortion. We're better off with these kind of people than that. Mark seems to be making the case for abortion.
7: Such as that.
11: So you want these people who do monstrous things such as that to have more children?
7: I want the people who wish to kill fully viable children that can live free of their mothers and kill them in horrific ways, not to hold any power, and ultimately I would have them removed from our gene pool. Now, I okay, do well, believe,
11: I uh, do abortion believe. does that, by the way. But no, beyond abortion, that, abortion, abortion has been declining sh- since 1980. Kill, abortion it's, kills babies. Well, look, these horror it stories that you're talking about these are exceedingly killers. rare. When, when
3: do you think life
12: begins, Mark?
7: Life begins at conception. That's a fact.
12: Yeah, and what is okay, conception? So are
7: you a Catholic? I'm not a Catholic. Life begins at conception, but... Are you Anglican? I'm Church of England. Life begins at conception. And I do believe there should be reasonable... um, There should be reasonable caveats when it comes to abortion. So if it is a case of um, abhorrent conception, such as rape, incest, uh, paedophilia, then yes, I do think abortion should be allowed in those cases. I think if you have a case where the child is going to be heavily disabled, I believe abortion should be allowed in those cases. And I also believe that there's a genuine threat to the mother's life, i.e. carrying the baby to term would kill her or put her at reasonable risk of death through generally medical things, not just because she's a loon and you know thinks it's gonna give her mental health problems or you know something
10: like what that. What is conception uh, to you? How would you
0: how- So looking at video of rallies outside the home of US Supreme Court justices, now, when you start taking things to, to people's homes, uh the other side is going to adopt similar tactics. So you're amping up the intensity of the confrontation and you don't know where this is going to go, but it's probably not going to go anywhere good. How would you define that?
7: Look, Stardust, I'm not but, playing the silly game of me okay, being Let, let me jump in You can Google real quick. Mark, what Conception is. It's when a sperm fertilizes an egg. Mark has
11: a... Mainstream, because he, he's put in some exceptions there that are pretty significant, particularly. I mean, uh, I think I was I was looking at statistics last night. I did a broadcast on this. I think 20 percent of abortions are actually done by married women. So this me yes, this as Yeah. And
12: 60 percent. Sorry, 60 percent of women who seek out abortions already have children.
11: Right. So a lot of these abortions, I particularly with married women, I, I think they're, they're selecting out. Um, children with Down syndrome and the like. So, Mark, you've got a, a mainstream, reasonable perspective on this, That that that's fine. You agree with, I would say, most conservatives. 70% so of the population- con- wants But that's what I'm
7: saying, I'm not some contrarian. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. But I, that doesn't, if I have a that's different
11: right. perspective, I'm not like evil or I'm doing this- I didn't say what you were. I didn't say you were evil, Richard. Well, I, I know you, you didn't say I'm evil, you but, you but you know what I mean. You to I'm...
7: get quite a lot of pleasure out of taking points that I believe, I believe that post-Charlottesville, um you have somewhat lost your way and i like you as a person i've always enjoyed your takes I've always enjoyed you having a show i'm not here to have a go at you but i feel post charlottesville you seem to be somewhat you know eclipsed in the scene by um national justice party and by america first you seem to have lost your way somewhat and you have been marginalized and i think you are crying out for people to notice you by making takes that are going to raise an eyebrow from people who want you to listen to you and wants respected you. And I, I think that's sad because I do think you Charlotte are an intelligent man. A
11: number of things which, among other things, is that these people on the far right, they, are, they have antisocial attitudes. They want to cause terrible scenes, Many, not a majority by any means, but a strong minority. It's a fraction, but they make a lot of pay. Wanted to go to these events in order to get into fights, and they expected that the consequences would be borne by other people. So yes, I have learned some things, which is I don't want to deal with the far right anymore. But, but some that people is my do you own very well assessment. I'm but sure I, you like, would like, love to. It's, be it's to... like you are mad that I'm left
7: you. No, I no, don't no, no, want to be involved in the I'm far crazy. right. No, I'm saying you're mad because you haven't achieved what people like Nick Fuentes has. You'd love to be holding a conference with a thousand plus people in attendance speaking to them all because that's where you flourish. When you were doing that through your organization, you flourished as a person. Your speeches were excellent. The media wanted to talk to you. And that's where you as a man flourish. You blossom. And since you have been somewhat sidelined, I feel uh, like Mark, may. I'm
11: going to be just really honest with you. OK, Nick Fuentes is uh, just a little tedious, unbearable person. OK. NJP is stupid and ugly. All right, there it is. I don't want to have anything to do with the far right. You guys, these guys eclipse me because this is the kind of crap that you guys like. All right, no, one no, of, no, the and and all of the reasons why I'm a member of the far right is because fine. you all have bad taste. I don't but know what to tell all you. Did
7: that well, and you loved it. You have this. Now, I, because I
11: wanted this to go further. None of these things can go beyond like weird cringe posting and what is basically wn 1.0 nonsense but they won't go beyond that it will not just take my word for it there is a reason why i don't want to be involved with it but the National Wait, Justice Nick Party Wendous is really holding went meetings, meetings went with all the way three, to the four capital. Four You're people. right. The America First is right. holding
7: meetings with a thousand people. And you once held when you were running um, Radix, when you were running the National Policy Institute, you were having incredible events. You were a wonderful speaker. And I you do those high.
11: things for two reasons. The first is extreme deplatforming that I faced, and I faced to a very large extent, say four years ago, more than. Most others. The other reason is that the movement does not want me. The movement wants other people. That's fine.
7: I'm okay but, with. I see interview with that Ellie where you were basically begging for her forgiveness, and it was terrible because you were saying if the whole movement was based around you, the movement would be better off, and it sounded awful. Yes. And do you it's, know, what Richard? Is do you know what, Richard? Do you know what, Richard? Do you know what, Richard? you would have been better going into that meeting with that odd-faced silly little woman like the old richard spencer and saying you know what i'm right i'm right people of european descent have a right to exist an odd little liberal journalists like you you are the problem
11: i'm not going to do what you want me to no, do mark why don't you go, go and do that interview take i was advice. very
7: pleased with that interview well i, I was I and many very pleased. it was a downfall of
4: someone who wants did great things. Now, hold on. Let, now, explain the interview. I, for those who don't know, what, what, what happened with the interview, Richard? Because I, I, I don't know them everybody knows. You did an interview with CNN. Oh, look, sorry. No, that's um, cool.
11: Well, th- there were some, I mean, I did a very long interview. I think they took the stuff that was more acrimonious. So like, yeah. I was, I was getting a bit angry with Ellie in the sense that it was this, like, I was fairly and rather honestly talking about the serious problems with the alt-right. And there were serious problems. The alt-right was going to end up in a bad situation one way or another and like there there were a lot of bad people in that movement there are a lot of bad people that are going to make any type of event very bad i mean charlottesville has been massively eclipsed by what a few people in the alt-right but it's actually mostly normies hooked on QAnon, did on january 6th um it, these things end up in a situation i can kind of imagine I've actually got to go. Unfortunately, I have That's another good. stream. Like, I can I can almost imagine a kind of multiverse. Like every, these, you see this in comic book movies now. Multiverse, so there's like another you out there. I can imagine another Richard Spencer who did exactly what Mark Colette wants. That Richard Spencer will probably be in jail and would be you know involved in January 6th and will be yelling "Hail Trump" in 2020 um, and basically utterly destroying his life. No, Richard, I don't that Richard want to Spencer, be that person. I, that I,
7: Richard Spencer would have been a highly respected man speaking to hundreds of people at conferences, being part of a community, part of a movement. And instead, the Richard Spencer we have in this universe is one who groveled to some strange faced liberal journalist who basically. I don't think most people saw that interview as groveling. Society on Mark, don't hell. you
3: think that's a little unfair, though,
12: because um, well, you're asking strange-faced
7: him. Or that he groveled.
12: No, no, no. You're asking him to basically uh, sacrifice his life and his livelihood. Uh, That's
7: what we all his... must do. If you have a righteous cause, you fight for I'm that no righteous martyr. cause. Because it's better to live for a day as a lion than it is in a lifetime me. as Don't a Go be she- me,
11: Mark. Do, if you think I'm a sheep, fine. Go be me. Go be the Richard Spencer that you think... Well, I, want ri- I want you to be rich. I want
7: you I want you, Richard, to regain your you're going to be disappointed. This is who I
11: am. This is who but I am. Richard, you're going to well, be disappointed. You are, I'm sorry. You But're like... you're,
7: you're somebody who wants to be sort of this contrarian. you're no, never going to go I, into I, the I mainstream, don't, don't. Richard? You're, all you will manage to do, taking this line is destroy yourself and alienate yourself from the people who once followed you. And for what? To please the liberals that you oppose and you at one time dedicated your life to defeating. And now you're just, you're just going along with all of their I don't,
11: I mean, I've got to run because I'm actually five minutes late for a stream. I don't want to be in, I think the nationalist movement is a hamster wheel. And but it's deal, flourishing. Let me finish. Yeah, I don't well, see it as flourishing. Well, I Nick Fuentes having a thousand it. people at, a ma- at this massive meeting. Go join elect- Nick Fuentes oh, if it. that is the kind of stupid nonsense you are into. But are, you, okay? you, you would
7: love to be speaking. No, I, I wouldn't. I do not
11: want to be on stage with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gossner or whatever the hell. That is literally the most embarrassing possible thing I could imagine. Or claiming I'm America first and waving a flag and talking about how great Donald Trump is. That is cringe you supported Donald Trump. You yes supported and Donald. i was we wrong all rode the i supported the him trade. in a in a particular moment and i recognize how wrong i was i know i, mean, wrong, I don't know what to tell you Why you're you so wrong, mad Richard? You want to expel me, and I'm like, okay. I'm not trying and you to expel, not want to expel no, me have a conversation. Because well, as I can have a conversation, but I don't oh like God. being called, like, you, oh, you know, well, I'm a loser because well, I, was, nationalists I didn't you don't like loser. me
4: anymore. Well, I was going to say... Wait, 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 I ask you? wait, 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 wait. I want to ask something. Do you feel like it's possible that um i mean maybe richard just had a change of heart right he went through
0: his thing and I, again i
4: know the audience doesn't like richard to a certain extent some of the a segment there right um but uh and again you know we have our differences too i like richard because he comes on and he talks and he's a he stirs the the drink here like i do a little bit you know what i mean like gets people going uh, and he's always a good conversation uh but I, I never thought he was i don't think richard's fake uh, you know i think he just maybe uh has had a change of heart you know, like due to his experiences in the media and falling out with people and stuff like that.
7: Ralph, just be quiet for two seconds, please. I'll ask you a question, Richard. Did you have a change of heart because you thought your views were actually wrong? Or did you have a change of heart because you didn't win? Because that's the important question you have to ask yourself. Because if you're having a change of heart because you didn't win, that's not really a change of heart. That's just painting a face on No, uh, I I think it's
11: maybe a a uh, a, a bit of a combination of that. I mean, when you don't win at something and something leads down a path towards what I view as destruction or failure, like getting off that path is not wrong, but I actually have evolved in certain directions. But one of my major evolutions is recognizing nationalism as a hamster wheel. And you feel like you're getting progress. You're spinning and spinning around in circles. And I don't, I'm not interested in it. I'm too old. I I just, I want to develop intellectually and as a person. And I don't think that is possible in a movement that just really cannot go anywhere and has, I think, really faulty instincts that will kind of always lead it to the same place. That's my assessment. You can totally just.
0: Okay. That's nothing inherent in nationalism. It's something inherent into what was the Richard Spencer version of nationalism. All right, let's have a look at Adam Green versus E. Michael Jones on the Kill Street. Okay, though, no, can we do an hour
5: and then like a little 10-minute question part at the end? Is that okay? All right, all right, okay, all right. Okay. I, I don't right. take any responsibility for what I say after one hour. So. That's perfectly fine with me. Uh, go okay. ahead, go ahead, Adam. I'll let you kick it off.
12: All right, thanks. My name is Adam Green. I've been making videos exposing Zionism, which is really just Judaism and Christianity, quasi-Christianity on, online for the last six years. And tonight I'm going to argue that Christianity is not just false, but it is a deception. And Jesus is a hoax, and he didn't exist and the Bible is full of fake myths, and Christianity was fabricated as a dialectical antithesis to Judaism. It's an ancient psychological operation. It's theological warfare to enslave and control the minds of the nations or the goyim. And they did this by creating a controlled opposition quasi-Jewish sect and manipulated the Gentiles, targeted the Gentiles through fear of eternal punishment.
0: Yeah, so it may well be that Adam Je- Green is no more anti-Jewish than he is anti-Christian. I mean, from that presentation... I'm not making that argument, but from his uh, self presentation there he sounds equally anti christian so most most Bible scholars would argue that uh, Jesus did exist in history
12: if they didn't believe in this the, the Torah and the Tanakh and the Jewish mythologies, and they were if they did believe eternal um, rewards uh the whole idea of that we're born God created us and fallen and that uh, there's a curse of a magical serpent snake and a fruit tree. It's, it's not true. We don't need Torah messianism. We don't need...
0: All right, so a story doesn't have to be factually and literally true to be useful. So a story of the, of a fall or of an expulsion from an idyllic uh, utopia or from, from a kindergarten and graduating into reality, that story like uh, Plato's allegory of the cave can still be incredibly useful even if it's not factually true
12: need salvationism to be saved from anything it's actually just a um problem reaction solution it's christianity is a fake solution to a fake problem and um let's see the the theme in all of the prophecies of the old testament the torah the tanakh is that god to summarize god's chosen people will basically rule the world with their moshiach their messiah from jerusalem from zion and there's verses in the Old Testament like all flesh will worship Yahweh. All the Gentiles will know the Lord. The Messiah is described in the Old Testament as that will conquer the nations. He will reign over the nations. The nations and the Gentiles will be obedient to him. He will bring judgment to the nations.
0: And pretty much every people have some sort of mythology whereby they are eventually vindicated.
12: And fear of the God of Israel, of the jealous God, the... God that hates idol worship and wants to eradicate that and paganism, all the competing religions, anything that's not Jewish, basically. And Christianity perfectly served that function. It fulfilled their objectives. Maimonides' top rabbi uh, brags of this. Marcus Eli Ravage, the Rothschild biographer, also boasted of this. And even in E. Michael Jones's book, which I was just rereading to prepare for the debate, uh, as I posted on Twitter, he knows about this. uh, A famous Jewish historian, Greats, called Christianity a new kind of warfare against Rome. And he said that it it modified or partly destroyed them. Uh, and he called it the most successful Jewish sect. So it was a Jewish sect. It was a new kind of warfare to conquer Rome from within. And uh, it was creating a dialectic that became estranged from and placed itself in harsh antagonism to the parent source to the original controlled opposition. And uh, the, what I see with EMJ and, and all Christians is that you, or at least anti-Zionist Christians, you believe that you oppose Judaism and you do in a way, but I argue that it's superficial. It's only on the surface. It's limited in scope because Christians validate the idea that the Torah is the word of God. they, fear and worship the, the God of Israel, the jealous, bloodthirsty, genocidal God of Israel that chose the Jews. They affirm, Christians affirm the first covenant of the Jews, and they believe the Jews were once and still kind of are God's chosen people. They follow the Jewish Messiah, and they believe the Jews have a special role. E. Michael Jones' book even argues that, that according to God's divine plan, Jews have to, um, what is the word that he uses, per- Purdue, I think it is, they have to last until the end of time. So while all the pagan cultures lost their traditions, their myths, their...
0: So this is Adam Green at his most coherent right? He's, he's putting together a coherent case. It uh, builds on itself. It's not, it's not a crazy case.
12: They're honoring of their ancestors and the lessons from all of that. It's replaced for revering the God of Israel, the Jewish patriarchs, and their mythology where they were chosen, and that their God that chose them is the one God of the universe. And I believe that Christians have just swallowed the whole Hebrew Bible paradigm like hook, line, and sinker, and they have become defenders of Yahweh, defenders of the...
0: So most Christians are not terribly Christian. Okay, so probably a few other 10%. Uh, of christians in in the world take christianity so seriously that it it permeates their life and and out of those probably only a minority have lives that are permeated by what the old testament the hebrew bible the tanakh is saying so i think adam green overstates the impact of on christians uh, of christianity on those who identify as christians right you can identify as a christian and go in almost any direction that Christianity, like Judaism, is almost infinitely flexible. You can take it in a left-wing direction, a right-wing direction. You can be pro-feminist, anti-feminist, pro-capitalist, anti-capitalist, and still identify perfectly with Christianity or Judaism.
12: The Torah, and I believe they're almost under mind control, a spell, a Jewish spell uh, construct. And instead of telling the Jews that they were never chosen...
0: I don't think Christians are under some kind of Jewish spell. If people didn't have Christianity or they didn't have Judaism, they would have something else that comforted them. Right In in today's world that is increasingly economized, increasingly efficient, increasingly mobile, people lack the traditional ties that provided meaning and comfort. And so people have a more desperate need for meaning and comfort now than they did 100 years ago, let alone 200 years ago, 300 years ago. So if people are not getting their meaning and comfort from Christianity or Judaism, they're gonna turn to something else, which in all likelihood won't be any more rational, right? People want comfort, and people want to believe that lives have meaning. If you have strong ties to your family and friends, then for most people, that would be all the meaning you need. But for those people who have a particularly intense need for meaning because they don't have the normal amount of human connection, then they're gonna go searching and if they don't find that meaning and comfort in Judaism or Christianity, they're very likely to get meaning and comfort from something even more wacky, such as QAnon or Kundalini Yoga.
12: Like I do. Or that their covenant and their Bible are fake. Christians play along with the charades. And how are we supposed to condemn Jewish supremacy or um, these things that the Jews believe?
0: Every belong, everyone plays along with, with reigning charades. All right, there's never been a society that doesn't have some sort of charade going on. And to get along, to go along, you have to at least pay lip service to whatever's the, the reigning ideology. It'd be the same way if we were a completely pagan society. believe
12: that we want to criticize when the, the Christians are mirroring all of the same ideas back at them. So I see it as an intra-Jewish squabble. And uh, let's see, all of the miracles in the Bible Christians have to believe.
0: So Christianity does come from Judaism, but it, it also comes from from Greek religion, from Hellenic mystery cult religion. So there are some versions of Christianity that are more influenced by Judaism, other versions of Christianity that are more influenced by Hellenic mystery cult religion. But uh, to say that, that that Christianity is primarily something that comes from from Judaism, I don't think it's fair or accurate. Right? Christianity has gone off in some very different directions than Judaism
12: and validate all of these um, preposterous miracles of the Bible. I mean, you have to believe in Adam and Eve and the talking snake. You have to believe in a woman turning to a pillar of... Uh,
0: America has uh, preposterous miracles such as, I don't know, George Washington never told a lie or Johnny Appleseed. Like, every people have its myths, and and the, the myths aren't factually supported or empirically supported uh, doesn't mean that they're evil or destructive.
12: Salt, You have to believe in a staff turning into a serpent. You have to believe in Noah's Ark.
0: No, you, you don't. You don't have to take these stories literally. And, and the more educated Christians and Jews don't tend to take th- these stories literally. So you can just understand them as stories, uh, as moral parables.
12: Ark, Jonah in the whale, and then all the miracles of the New Testament as well. And, and I ask, what is more likely, that all of these impossible, miraculous events took place a few thousand years ago or that some ancient Jews made it up? And I think it's, any honest person would say that it's at least much more plausible that it's just made up.
0: Okay, so that's one discussion where these events just made up. second discussion is do stories about these these things serve people? And I think it's indisputable that Christianity and Judaism serves a positive function in many people's lives and serves a negative function in many people's lives. So overall, my my bias is I, I want to believe that Christianity and Judaism particularly in America today, have overwhelmingly a positive effect on people's lives. But I I think the deeper question is, do these these religions, do these ways of life have, have more of a positive or a negative effect on people, not whether or not the founding stories are empirically validated?
12: Uh, and why do we have to rely on ancient books anyway? The Gospels, there's no extra biblical contemporary um, documents or artifacts that prove Jesus until Josephus or Tacitus, which are a generation later. Um, 60 years after the fact is the earliest. And this is, for the sake of argument, giving you Josephus, which I would argue it's even later. Um, the Gospels are a bunch of contradictory, um, unscholarly, uncritical, unknown authors written in an unknown place at an unknown time. It's not history, it's not biography, it's religiously biased. Uh, agenda-driven propaganda. Their goal was to evangelize and persuade new converts to join their cause. It's not some
0: type of just historical document So the scholarly approach to all literature, a- and we'll use a really broad definition of literature to say include my live stream, is to ask who is delivering the live stream. So I'm the host. So who am I? Where am I coming from? To whom am I speaking? What are the incentives that I'm facing? What is my ideology. And then if I am presenting arguments or examples or, or stories that undercut my ideology, then those things that I say that go against my tendencies, or that go against my self interest are probably more likely to be true than those stories and uh, thing, arguments that I make that go in alignment with my self interest. So who wrote the document? For whom was it written? When was it written?
12: I'm almost down here, Dr. Jones. I know this must be rough for you. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Christians and E. Michael Jones in his book say that Judaism was the one true religion before the time of Jesus. And I just think when you give them that, it's doing more harm than good because you're validating their, del- their uh, delusional cho- uh, claims of being chosen. You're-
0: so what's the one true religion is as fruitless a question as asking, like, what's the one true form of nationalism? All right? you, can, you can find arguments if you want to for you know, any religion or any nationalism and uh, preferably you choose arguments that serve you. But there's no empirical test for finding you know, what's the one true nationalism. Is it American nationalism? Is it Nigerian nationalism? Is it Japanese nationalism? Uh, there's no empirical test. There's no way of empirically validating which is the, the one true religion. Now, different religions are good at different things. So if you want assurance of your heavenly salvation as an individual to the next life, then Christianity does more to address that, that need than any other religion. But if you don't have that predilection, if you're not Christian, you're probably not worried about that. If you're interested in having a dramatic effect on this world, then Judaism's more influential than any other religion has ever been per person. If, uh, if you're interested in, in conquering this world, then right now it looks like Islam is, is the most dominant religion in the world. And, and I'm sure that, that Hinduism has its strengths and Buddhism has, has its strengths and the, the, the Confucian way of life has its strengths. So different religions meet different needs. Different religions are good at different things.
12: You're enabling an almost codependence and it's just contributing more to the problem. Um, I argue that Christians are all Zionists. If you believe in the prophecies of Zion and that God has uh, the, the concept of the God of Israel and Zion, you are a Zionist. And if you also acknowledge
0: so for most people, religion is not primarily about belief. It is primarily about a social circle. Right? Most Christians are not thinking a great deal about theology. I certainly know most Jews are not thinking very much about theology. And uh, Islam is certainly, Muslims are certainly by and large, not, think, not thinking uh, deeply uh, about theology. So Adam Green is approaching religions on their face value. He's approaching religions on the basis of what they say about themselves. But religion as theory and religion how it's practiced, very different things. So the, the theory of religion doesn't really matter that much to most people who practice that religion. Right? People practice religions because they were raised in them, because their friends and family are in them, because they enjoy them, all right? because it's, it's comforting to them not because they think deeply about its theological principles.
12: ...that Judaism was the one true religion. You're almost a, uh, a Judaism uh, believer as well. So um, I guess I guess we'll wrap it up there. That's about, what, five minutes, ten minutes? i got no idea. That was
4: about eight minutes. Yeah. Well, about seven minutes, got seven, eight minutes. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Jones.
5: Well, thank you. Thank you for that uh, introduction. Uh, I, I'd, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, about Christianity, uh, but I'd like, to, I'd like to make a distinction first uh, between
0: so when my dad was young, he converted to the Seventh-day Adventist church at about age 16 or 17, and by converting to this new church, he was raised Church of England, then converted to Seventh-day Adventism at about age 16, 17, got him out of an unhappy situation into a group of people who he loved and who loved him. So it got him into a happier situation, and like many converts, he was burning with fervor. And so my father did a PhD in rhetoric. He was particularly skilled at debate. And so my father from from his teens to his 60s always welcomed a debate. I remember he set up a debate with some prominent atheist in, in Sacramento one time. So E. Michael Jones and Adam Green, I also think these are two personalities just who enjoy debate just like other people enjoy playing video games or playing basketball, right? We like to test our skills against other people.
5: In essence... And existence, uh, and I'd like to talk about the essence of Christianity first. Uh, it, it, you're right. You're right. I do believe. I do believe that the, the the Jews were God's chosen people. I do believe that the Torah, the first uh, books of the Bible, are the word of God. I believe that.
0: So, who is God's chosen people? That's purely a matter of faith. Right? It's not really something you can argue about. And and whether or not the, the Torah is the word of God, again, that's a matter of faith. That there's no. There's no empirical way that you can justify it or or disprove it. So, for example, I don't argue matters of faith uh, on on this show. There's no point.
5: That God uh, promised these people a Messiah. And I believe that that Messiah arrived. Did
0: Desmond Ford have a sense of humor? Yes, my father had a sense of humor. And it was particularly cutting a sense of humor with regard to his theological enemies. So he would joke about his theological enemies who like their chocolate biscuits. He thought that was a sign of weakness. Uh, sometimes when I'd get up from the table and I was eating something delicious, my father would would hide it. So my father certainly liked to laugh. And yeah, he he he. On my twenty first birthday, my my parents threw threw a party for me and invited a lot of my friends. And uh, my father got up and did like a ten fifteen minute stand up comedy bit. Like he, he went and researched all these books of jokes and assembled all these jokes. And I don't think he realised that stand up comedy isn't uh, just collecting collecting jokes. But I remember one of them, one joke that he told there on my twenty first birthday. He said uh, Luke went to the ocean w- with a girl, and uh, Luke was feeling particularly moved, and so he looked out on the ocean and said, roll on, deep blue ocean. And the girl responded, look, Luke, it's obeying you.
5: Arrived on this earth, and it was Jesus Christ. And at that moment in history, the Jews had to make a decision because part of
0: A what- uh, half says, no, Luke, axiomatically, a Christian has to accept the Hebrew Bible. That is the theory in Christianity, but theory does not determine how people actually practice. Christians are not deeply involved with the Hebrew Bible, by and large. Christians are not deeply involved with theology. It's it's primarily a social club.
5: What you're saying is true. There was an element among the Jews that wanted some type of powerful ruler, and uh, this wasn't that guy. This wasn't David. They wanted David to come back. This wasn't David. And so at this point, the Jews have to make a decision. Are we going to accept this man, Jesus Christ, on his terms, or are we going to make him conform to our terms? And it immediately leads to a conflict.
0: Right, so we all have a rule book, and why do we resent people, and why do we build up grudges against people? Because they don't abide by our rule book, by our non-enforceable rules. This is a great point made in Fred Luskin's book, uh, Forgive for Good. So we all have a rule book. There's there's really no way of going through life without having a vivid sense of objective right and wrong and that some people are doing the objectively the right thing and other people are objectively doing the wrong thing and we're just writing up tickets in our mind for people who are violating our unenforceable rules so yeah by and large i think it's fair to say that the jews in the first century palestine had certain rules about how the world should work and how how a messiah is to be decided that for one there'd be, there'd be peace on earth a cessation of war And and Jesus did not meet any of the Hebrew Bible's tests for who is a Messiah. And the followers of Jesus had a very different rule book for who a Messiah was. So two peoples, two different rule books.
5: In which Jesus Christ tells the Jews, they they start uh, playing the race card. They say, we are the sperm of Abraham. We're the seed of Abraham. And Jesus just ridicules, said, we don't need your DNA. God doesn't need your DNA. He can make rocks like this. And so this conflict comes to a a conclusion where they basically...
0: yeah, Judaism is primarily a DNA religion, right? You're a Jew because your mother's a Jew. That's the primary way that uh, people identify as Jewish. Christianity is a profession of faith. In theory, in practice, it simply means that you go along with what your group is doing. Half says it's sickening. You get a sense of how people were tortured during the Inquisition, when you see E.M.J. E. Michael Jones's rage couched in reverence and piety, it's quite sickening, to be honest, but instructing and revelatory. Well, you cannot be passionate about your in-group, whether your in-group is Christians or Jews or blacks or homosexuals or or the Japanese, without a corresponding tendency to have negative views of out groups. So the more passionate the Christian, the more likely he is to harbor negative views of non-Christians more passionate the Jew the more likely he has to have negative views of non-Jews so by and large Orthodox Jews have stronger Jewish identities than Reform Jews and Orthodox Jews are more likely to have negative or skeptical or fearful views of non-Jews than Reform Jews so the more intense the Christian the more likely they are to have anti-Christian views the more intense the Jew the more intense the Muslim the more likely they are to have negative views of out groups so it's often a wonderful thing when people have an intense commitment to their in-group. But there's there's the, the downside that always comes with an accompanying negative perspective on outgroups. You cannot, by and large, produce high-intensity in-groups without simultaneously producing highly skeptical, suspicious, and negative views of outgroups. Everything comes with a price.
5: Basically uh, conspire with the Romans to kill Jesus Christ. They kill God. They kill the Messiah. And that uh, conflict uh, reaches a point, and it's never stopped. It's never stopped. And so at this point, we start to get into existence, okay? The essence of the Catholic Church is, uh, the Catholic Church is part of this revelation. The essence of the gospel
0: is—, uh, is, is that... So a normal Christian reaction to someone, as for fervent, uh, as passionate about his Christianity as E. Michael Jones is to be a little scared. Just as Christians, if they're exposed to you know, high-intensity Orthodox Jewish rabbis talking to fellow Orthodox Jews about the need to strengthen their, their Jewish identity, I think a large number of, of non-Jews would be kind of frightened by what they would see as a narrow ethnic uh, tribal point of view. So high-intensity in-groups will tend to frighten and disturb outsiders
5: that Judaism is in conflict with Christianity. The essence of the Gospels is a conflict. It's about a conflict between the Jews who accepted Jesus Christ and the Jews who rejected Jesus Christ. It's never going to be any different. The immediate conflict uh, after the resurrection.
0: And uh, half Galatian says, Luke is framing this all wrong. They are debating theology on proof texts. Stick to the subject. Well, just because they are choosing to debate on proof texts, I have no interest in debating faith. I have no interest in debating proof texts uh, by and large. Lib says, I had an acquaintance with the man who plays Jesus on a series called The Chosen. It's a quality show, quite rare for an evangelical production. Correction:
5: the, the guards come to the, to the Jews, to the Jewish leaders, and they say there's no one there. The tomb's empty. And they said, will just lie about it. We'll pay off. We'll buy you off. And, we'll, and you lie about it. That's what the Jews have been doing ever since.
0: Okay, so how E. Michael Jones sounds it. this is how everyone with a high intensity to his in-group sounds like, by and large. All right? This is how many Jews sound when they're passionately committed to the v- divine nature of Torah. And for someone who does not share this commitment, it's bizarre to, to have you know, someone making these authoritative, very confident, black-and-white pronouncements on an event that, if it took place, it took place 2,000 years ago, and we have no empirical support for it.
5: Since they've attacked Christianity ever since. To, to say that this is some type of controlled opposition simply flies in the face of the facts. So one of the first examples I'm talking about is Paul, named, known as Saul. He comes, and he persecutes Jews until he gets knocked off his horse. And at this point, he realizes that Jesus Christ, the Jews did kill Jesus Christ, and he was responsible for it, and he has a conversion, probably the greatest conversion in the history of the human race, the most influential anyway. And at this point, he's full of zeal, and he starts going to the synagogues, and the synagogues don't want to hear this story. The conflict is never going to go away between Christians and Jews. And so they expel him from the synagogues, and at this point, he has a dream, and at this point, he sees somebody on the other side of the G and waving to him, like come. Over.
0: And uh, half Kalisha says, Luke is missing the point again. It's instructive to understand how millions are influenced. Well, in-groups get influenced by this sort of thing, whether or not they're religions. So you become more successful as an influencer within an in-group if you tell your in-group that your problems are primarily caused by those who are outside of you and that your in-group is awesome and that its, it's, it's stories are you know, divine truth. Uh, this is how it works for all in-groups, not just Christians.
5: Well, we're here and he decides, I'm going to talk to the Greeks. I'm going to go over there. He spoke Greek. St. Peter could not do this because he didn't speak Greek. Paul goes over there. He meets the philosophers in Athens at the Areopagus, and he gives the wrong speech. He gives the idol worshiper speech that he could, should have given in Ephesus, and they all just say thank you and they walk away. And I'm saying that St. John, who was in Ephesus at the time, knew about the failure, and he wrote his gospel with that in mind. And he wrote it in Greek, in Arche and ha Logos. In the beginning there was Logos, and Logos was with
0: him. So none of what E. Michael Jones, you know, resonates None of it makes any sense to anyone who does not accept his premise that uh, the Bible is the, is the word of God. Right, but once you accept that they say that the New Testament is the word of God, then you can, you can grok where he's coming from.
5: This' is God and Logos is God. When he said Logos is God, he made a transfer into a whole new realm and he brought together the Jewish tradition, which needed to be perfected and the Greek tradition, which also needed to be perfected, and kind of union of faith and reason that has been the essence of Catholicism, which is the only real Christianity to this day.
0: So today we live in a historicist world. So the more you're educated, the more you're you're taught to understand everything, including what happened to Jesus and his followers 2,000 years ago in Palestine, within a particular historical framework, right, that... uh, these forces operating at this time, that the writers had this ideology that they were likely coming from this background. They were speaking to this particular audience that they were concerned, for example, not to appear to be a threat to the ruling powers of Palestine at that time, who were the Romans. So they endeavored to largely clear the Romans of responsibility for killing Jesus. They put all the blame on Jews. This was in in large part an inter-Jewish dispute that uh, that just mushroomed. But it started off as polemics among Jews and, and people close to them. That's that's how the, the New Testament began.
5: Okay, now the conflict did not stop. It has continued to this day. And what you have basically is anytime there's some type of disagreement, the Jews jump in and create uh, a, a bigger conflict than before. First is the Aryan crisis. The Jews are involved in that. It goes
0: up. And uh, Half Galician says, I'm just noting how quickly E. Michael Joe gets enraged enraged and unhinged. Whenever you strongly believe something in the power and beauty of your in-group, you are very likely to become unhinged. (laughs) Whenever you join a group, right? You're very likely to become unhinged. So any group identity will take on many of the qualities of a cult. And to navigate this, it's helpful to, at times, step outside of yourself and, and ask yourself, how would this look and how would this sound to an outsider? So you don't want to be in that kind of skeptical observer status most of the time because that takes away from the energy and the passion that you get from being in the dance with your group. But I, I think a successful life is the ability to dance with your group and simultaneously at times step outside your group and ask how would this look and how would this sound and what are the consequences of what we're saying and doing if, if uh, outsiders gain knowledge of, of what's going on?
5: So, uh, they, at this point, the Jews who had rejected Jesus Christ uh, are suddenly now becoming revolutionaries because that's what happens when you...
0: And uh, half Galician says, I reject that uh, many high-intensity insiders are serene and aloof. It's simply not true. Right? People with high-intensity in-group commitments are not serene and aloof about the virtues and qualities of their in-group, right? You're talking about two contradictory emotional states.
5: You reject the Logos incarnate, and their temple gets destroyed. 70 AD, their temple gets destroyed. And now they have no priesthood, no sacrifice.
0: half says he has a rage that one can easily see transmuted into violence. If you love something, you simultaneously hate that which threatens it. So I, I don't think he has any rage or passion or intensity that's any more easily transmuted to violence than any other high intensity form of love. If you love your wife, you will have rage against those who threaten your wife. If you love your group, you'll have hatred for those who threaten your group to, to love is to simultaneously hate all that, which threatens it.
5: And no, uh, and no temple. And at this point, they become a synagogue, but they never let go of this Jewish revolutionary spirit. And so to get to the existence part, what you have here is this ongoing conflict to this day.
0: And half Galician says, if you watch the Pope, he is confident in his in-group. I don't see this type of disposition. Well, for the, perhaps the first time in hundreds of years, we can honestly ask, is, is the Pope Catholic? Right, this Pope seems to have the weakest intensity in-group commitment of, of any Pope. I'm aware of in this century. So you have a Roman Catholic Pope with a low-intensity commitment to his in-group.
5: This is is the axis of human history. It is the conflict between Logos and anti-Logos. And every time you have some type of revolutionary movement, it's always Christians who want to be like Jews. And so there's a sense in which I can understand what you're saying, okay? There is an element of Judaizing in, if you're going to talk about the existence of Christianity. There are Jews, or there are Christians, who are forever getting tired of the gospel. They want a carnal religion, which is the way they see Judaism. They want lots of possessions. They want a powerful military.
0: Well, carnal means being in the world and of the world and enjoying the benefits of the world. So, yeah, most Christians are dominantly carnal, far more carnal than spiritual. Most Jews are more carnal than spiritual. Right? Religions make transcendental claims, but most followers of a religion are living in this world, primarily a, a physical existence, and they're primarily interested in, in physical and carnal things.
5: This is what Zionism is, okay? It is Jewish nationalism. It is the, the people, the Jews, who rejected Jesus Christ because he didn't promise a worldly worldly kingdom. And this goes all the way.
0: And uh, Half Galician asks about the last two popes. They had a much stronger in-group identity and intensity than the current pope.
5: Way up to the present. Okay, Uh, as I've mentioned in the Jewish revolutionary spirit, you have uh, Bohemia, 80% of the property in Bohemia in the 14th, 15th century is owned by the church. There are people who want that property. There are religious who are tired of living like angels, uh, taking vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. These two people come together and you have a revolution, the Hussite revolution, and the Jews are...
0: So what kind of person wants to take a vow of poverty, chastity, uh, humility, and and obedience? Uh, Generally speaking, that will be someone where there's something off about his his psychology, this will generally be an unhappy person. Or this will be someone without good options, right? Normal people don't take vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, like normal, psychologically healthy, because it's evolutionarily maladaptive. So only evolutionary freaks voluntarily take on these vows. And usually they'll only do so if they're out of good options
5: immediately on the side of that, and they're helping to dig ditches in Prague so that they can overthrow the Catholic Church and institute this heaven on earth of the Judaizers. It's never stopped. Puritanism is the same thing. It's Christians who are tired of the gospel, all the way up to the Christian Zionists of our day, the the Haggis of this world, who are now collecting money, $2,500 to help the Jews leave Ukraine. It has never stopped, but this is never, what I'm talking about is this not the essence of Christianity. It is always a, a departure from Christianity for political reasons. Uh,
4: Adam, I'll go ahead and let you kick off the uh, interlocutor segment here. Go ahead.
12: Okay, a couple of preliminary questions. I'm just curious. Were you raised Catholic, Dr. Jones? Yes, I was. And um, do you ever have any doubts about if Christianity is real?
5: Uh, actually, I have never had any doubts about whether Christianity was real, even though there was a period of apostasy in my life. I remember uh, – I remember as.
0: Okay, so that's uh, highly unusual for, for an intellectual to never have doubts uh, about the validity of Christianity. That's unusual.
5: Uh, as a, a hippie in the 60s, I remember uh, telling, uh, this, I was not going to church at this point, telling the Jew that lived across the hall that uh, he shouldn't worry about uh, what's aware because God takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. So in a sense, I, I was preaching even though I wasn't going to church. So no, I've never, I've never really felt that it wasn't real.
12: And last question, uh, in preparation for the debate, did you, uh, did you see any of my videos where I lay out uh, kind of my thoughts on Christianity? I,
5: I watched. I, I, I saw the tweet that you, you sent uh, about the, pa- the passage you just mentioned. Mm-hmm.
12: I was uh, happy to find that there, by the way. Yeah. I thought that was very I, interesting. Look, Why do you I, I, include that in your book, by the way? And I'm, I'm referring to Greats saying that it's right, right. He- psychological warfare. He- he-
5: Heinrich, Heinrich Greats is the father of Jewish historiography. I quote him throughout that, uh, throughout that book because mm-hmm. he's an important figure, uh, because I wanted to get it fr- from the horse's mouth. The fact that Greats said something about Christianity is a comment on Greats. It's not a comment on Christianity. It's, he has this animus. Uh, that he c- tries to control, but it just burst out uh, periodically. Uh, he's honest about, the, for example, the uh, Polish Jews. Uh, he's, he's a German, okay? And he was a, a completely Enlightenment, uh, Germanified Jew, okay? And he
0: and half uh, Galician says, listen to how E. Michael Jones speaks. He can't help but slur Jews, no matter the context. And then he claims all slurs he's made are out of context. Well... One thing that E. Michael Jones does consistently make clear is that there should be no violence directed against Jews; that, that not a hair of their head should be touched. So, he has said that, and I'm sure that there would be, you know, plenty of context where he'd be willing to speak up against, you know, any overt uh, threats to Jews. So, even someone who's, you know, rabidly anti judaic is is E. Michael Jones that their, their, their hatred of, of, say, Judaism is going to depend in large part on the context. He's not going to tell people with, with some kind of violent agenda that, yeah, go ahead and do that.
5: Basically held the old student in contempt and said they, uh, a very telling passage about the study of the Talmud led to the moral corruption of Jews in Poland. Well, this, this is important. So he's an important figure. But I, I don't agree with him. I mean, he's got an, the same animus against Christianity that all Jews have.
0: Okay, so... Uh, to- so Jews who don't care about Judaism... I wonder how much of an animus they have to Christianity. So you would expect that that a minority religion that's had a long, uh, tortuous relationship with Christianity, you would expect most members of that minority religion to have negative attitudes towards Christianity. I'm just wondering, is is the negative attitudes of Jews towards Christianity, is it any different than, say, the negative attitude of Christians towards Jews and, and Judaism? right you've got competing in groups competing stories uh, you've got uh, values that are that are competing you've got interests that at times have competed but i think it's fairly clear since the 19th century jews and christians religious jews and religious christians have had uh, more in common with each other than they've had with the the secular
12: address some of your your points you were making. Um, you said that Jesus arrived on earth, and the earliest documents we have that say anything about uh, Jesus is from Paul's letters. And he admittedly never knew Jesus, and he never saw him on earth. Um, and he also explicitly says in his letters that he w- learned about Jesus and the gospel just from revelation and from the
0: Right, so the first books that were written in the New Testament were the letters of Paul. So the gospels were, were 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years after the initial books of the Apostle Paul that that make up the New Testament. So it is Paul's vision of a Jesus he never met in the flesh that proved to be triumphant and and proved to be the, the beginning of Christianity. And the Gospels were written in the light of Paul's revelations
12: scriptures alone that he spoke with no man and he said paul says have i not also seen the lord so the earliest christians uh, i mean i'm not sure if you're familiar with like uh, earl doherty's the jesus puzzle or that's another question have you read any books on the historicity or the, the jesus mythicism that jesus is a myth
5: oh uh, no okay
12: well the idea is that before he was historified in the gospels and before the uh, proto-orthodoxy christian sect that supported a historical jesus uh, won over that there were the celestial jesus so what they did was what i believe is paul and Uh, The other Christians that he was persecuting before at the time, because he wasn't the originator, that they were scouring the Old Testament, looking for secrets and mysteries and decoding, connecting prophecies to try to figure out when their Messiah would come and and what would happen in the end times. And you said uh, a common misconception that Christians have, that they, the Jews, were expecting a military victorious Messiah. That's Moshiach ben David. There are many prophecies about that. But as you know, there are also many prophecies about the suffering Messiah. Sure. And that's
5: that's right. that's That's absolutely right. Right. Yeah, Messiah, oh. uh, Isaiah is full of the suffering servant prophecies. So mm-hmm. that the Jews, the Jews at this time were basically in a state of uh, of apostasy. So they, well, the they, point they, is, is
12: that they were expecting a suffering Messiah.
5: And well, some of them change. were, and some of them weren't. He kept reminding right. him. True. He had to keep reminding him that no, no, I'm quoting Isaiah now. Here is what mm-hmm. he is saying. You know, you should have been paying attention because I'm actually very close to what uh, Isaiah said. I'm really, you really need to pay attention mm-hmm. here. He had to keep reminding him that. I
0: have a Jewish friend who believes that Adam Green is harmless and that it's E. Michael Jones who. Is is the greater threat to Jews? Well, again, it's situational, contextual, and it depends on their audience, right? There's nothing inherently more harmful or more threatening about either character, but with certain people, with, with certain proclivities, in certain situations, you know, one or the other may be different, to maybe more of a threat to this or that group, right? There's nothing inherent in Adam Green or in E. Michael Jones that that makes them say a greater threat to Jews. It depends on what's the situation what's going on and and what kind of people are listening to them while certain threads certain currents are pulsing through society
5: because they got lost in this this huge proliferation of rules and, and, and myth mythology all this type of stuff and uh, a lot of them simply couldn't see through these categories of the of the mind that the Pharisees had created for them
0: so most Almost all you know, modern Christian scholars would, would admit that there's, there's nothing predicting of Jesus in the Hebrew Bible, right? That is a, a non-rational, non-textual uh, theological belief that, that is read back into the text of the Hebrew Bible, but the, the modern educated Christian who, who's a scholar would recognize that there's nothing in the Tanakh, in, in the Hebrew Bible, that, that predicts the coming of Jesus,
12: well, the, the point I'm trying to make is that the Jews, the zealots weren't working. The Jews were being you know, conquered by the Greeks, and before that, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, and then the Romans. So they couldn't fake a uh, militarily victorious messiah, but they could engage in uh, they couldn't win on the battlefield. So,
0: Right, there's no uh, story of a suffering messiah in Judaism, right? That's entirely a Christian invention. So the, there are many different opinions about the messiah in Judaism, but this idea of a suffering messiah is not one of the, the major opinions. So the Messiah is someone who brings peace in this world. He's not a, a ticket to the next world from the Jewish perspective.
12: So they engage in spiritual battle and theological warfare. And that's when they created this, the suffering Messiah who gets rejected by his people and goes to the Gentiles. That was all part of the scripture, which is the script, which is the plan. And that's why it's a deception. This whole, they rejected him and that was God's divine plan. That's what the prophecies called for. That's what Paul believed. The, Paul didn't want them to believe in Jesus. They're hardened. Jesus is the...
0: So there's absolutely no reason to believe that Paul even knew Hebrew or that, that any of Paul's claims about his own Jewish education were correct. So Paul's use of the Hebrew Bible seems to indicate pretty clearly he did not understand Hebrew. So therefore, he was a pleb in, in Jewish life. He was not a student of Rabban Gamliel, as he claimed. Uh, Paul would talk about how he claimed one thing when talking to a Jewish audience and claimed something different when talking to a Greek audience and then claimed something different when he talked to a Roman audience. So Paul was... Quite willing to try to be all, all things to all men. Paul had a tremendous imagination. He, he wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a learned man, but he had an imagination.
12: Stumbling block. This is all part of the plan to, as bait, to, to uh, lure in their opposition to follow their God, their Bible, mm-hmm. their Messiah.
5: Well, first of all, they were victorious on the battlefield. As long as they followed God's word, as long as they, they were true to the covenant, they were victorious. And then they Not against to do- Rome. Well, because they fell away. You know, if, if you're constantly falling away, they had to go into Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. They had to be punished uh, uh, because of the, the sins. They were constantly tending toward idolatry. And I think this is important because what was that idolatry? It was the worship of...
0: So these accounts of the Jewish battles in the Hebrew Bible, these weren't written contemporaneously. They were written hundreds of years after the fact. And then they were recast in alignment with the ideology of the times. That's that's a secular perspective. So so Jews developed a theology that it's for our sins that we've suffered, and that's how we can maintain our belief in one all-powerful God with whom we have a special relationship, and yet square that with all our setbacks, sufferings, and humiliation. Moloch.
5: Uh, and how did you worship Moloch? Well, you offered your children to him. You child sacrifice. You sacrificed your own child so that you would have the favor of the devil. Well, this is a constant, I'm saying, all the way up to the present. What is the I don't one group? Wait, let me hold on real quick. let me finish. No, let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. What is the one group in this country that supports abortion more than any other group? It's the Jews. Now, when you say the Jews, what do you mean? I'm talking about the Jews who rejected Jesus Christ, who were the Moloch worshippers. That's the constants around here. The Jews who accepted Jesus Christ are the Christians. They're the Catholic Church. They are the ones that have. Re-
0: well, Orthodox Jews would overwhelmingly regard abortion as killing. So Orthodox Jews overwhelmingly do not uh, have abortions, and when you simply Sort people according to their levels of secular education, there wouldn't be any significant difference between putative Jews and putative Christians on the question of abortion. It's just that a high percentage of Jews get, get more secular education than Christians. But when you account for IQ or when you account for levels of education, then attitudes towards abortion are pretty similar between Jews and Christians.
5: Restored the culture. They are the ones who are the true line of uh, of uh, the true children of Moses, the direct line from Abraham, Moses, Jesus Christ. Not a direct line. line. It's
12: an adoption. It's a grafted in, an adoption. It's not a direct line. That's
5: true. That's true. They are grafted. The Gentiles were grafted in because the Jews fell away. That's absolutely true.
0: So no religion comes along and says we're a new religion. Uh, You know, every religion comes along and says we're a fulfillment of the previous religion. So Christianity claimed to be the fulfillment of Judaism. Islam claimed to be the fulfillment of Judaism and Christianity. Uh, Mormonism or Seventh-day Adventism claimed to be the fulfillment of Christianity. True,
12: but In that's the Jews, a straight the line. Root, the, the that's a straight line. Holy, like Paul says. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to characterize anybody that doesn't believe in Jesus as sacrificing your children to Moloch. No,
5: I'm not saying anybody. I'm saying right. that that group of Jews that well, there's God been sacrificed a con- the there... to himself, and, and God called for Isaac's sacrifice. He didn't also, do it though, did he? But sec- well, first of all, first of all, if, if God if God tells you uh, to kill someone, uh, you have to follow God. You have to do what God says. <laughs> I, I hope now, you don't
12: I'm- get voices in your head as you get. Uh, no, I do too. That's
5: the problem the problem, is, the problem is, how do you know if God's telling you? So Abraham yeah. was justified by faith because he knew that God.
0: So from the Jewish perspective, direct divine prophecy ceased about 2,200 years ago. And then from a Christian perspective, uh, new divine prophecy came along about 2,000 years ago. And uh, from a 7th Adventist perspective, like God was still speaking to us through the, the prophecies of Ellen White into the 20th century. So it all depends on who you believe is being inspired by God.
5: I told him to sacrifice his son and he was ready to do it and God prevented him. The knife was there ready to stab his own son because God God is the author of all human life and if he takes it it's not murder. That's that's that was faith. That was by faith. And that is why well, Abraham is our father in faith.
12: Well well I disagree that Abraham existed and I think Oh wait. <laughs> why
5: are we going to talk? How are we going to talk about it? If we're going to say still, these people didn't exist. No, wait a minute. We can't talk about it if you say they don't exist.
12: Yeah, I, I don't. I think <laughs> the covenant where he, where he split up the animals and God carried the torch through, I think that's made up. I think that's fiction. <laughs> well, I think the idea well, that God the told him to top off the end of, of his dick and uh, sacrifice your son and you're going to be uh, a holy nation, I think that's just made up. The Jews just made it up to say that they're chosen.
5: Well, why did you tell us sooner? I mean, how, why did God let us wait so long until Adam Green came along and suddenly inform us that it's all made up? All these people are delusional. I'm not the first one to say that. 2,000 years of delusional people. 5,000 years if you add the Old Testament in. I mean, yeah, th- You don't th- think Islam it, has been is a delusion it, for thirteen is years? Isn't this a little bit presumptuous on your part?
12: No, no. Also, let me get back to some of the points you made. So you, you said that they were expecting a military militarily victorious Messiah. You, but then you agreed, okay, there is prophecies about a suffering Messiah. Right. And uh, there's actually a belief in two Messiahs that's pre-Christian. And the first coming was Moshiach ben Joseph. That's the suffering Messiah, the high priest that atones for the sins of, of uh, the people. And Joseph is the based on Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, who is rejected by his brothers and then goes to Egypt and then rules Egypt from behind the throne. That's the template that Jesus, the suffering Messiah, is following, to be rejected and go rule from within, behind the throne.
0: Okay, I think that will do it for today. Take care. Bye-bye.